This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. It is November 23rd. Happy Black Friday, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. This is Review and Preview. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo, James Montefusco, Chris Klimazuski, and Kyle Earhart. Uh, welcome back to you after about a four-month absence on the show. Great to have you. And tonight, before we dig into things here, we're going to go over some breaking news with the New York Yankees. We're going to talk college football rankings and with the playoff coming up. We'll spend the rest of our first hour up until 8 o'clock on the Giants and the Jets. Then we have our team of the week. We will review and preview some of the NFL games from last week and yesterday's Thanksgiving classics. We'll preview this week's games to come. We'll go over our locks and our upsets from last week and make our new ones for this week. And we will talk some NBA and sprinkle in some college basketball. All right, guys. Let's get right into it. So, Kyle Russo, this first Block is going to be your question here. So Seattle trades James Paxton to the New York Yankees on Monday. In 2018 with Seattle, Paxton had 160 and one-third innings pitched, 3.76 ERA, and an impressive 11.7 strikeouts per nine innings. Now, Kyle, in this trade, the Yankees gave up three prospects, including their top prospect, uh, Justice Sheffield. Now, Sheffield did play three games for the Yankees in 2018. What are your thoughts on this trade? I like it a lot for the Yankees. I think it has a lot of upside, and I know a lot of Yankees fans and people in general are giving a lot of shade towards the Yankees for doing this trade because, you know, the potential that Justice Sheffield has. But if you guys remember, July through September, their pitching was so bad, and they didn't bring this guy up till mid-September, and all he did was come out of the bullpen a couple times. He never started a game. Mm-hmm. So when you look at James Paxton, the upside for this guy is tremendous. I mean, yeah, he has his cons. He's never pitched over 200 innings. He's had injury history. But he's a 30-year-old guy who you traded for. That could potentially help you put a ring on your finger this year, this uh, next coming season. Right. Uh, Now, do you think that, obviously, um, this addition of Paxton, he's probably, to start the year, he's going to be their number three starter because you're not sure if Hap's coming back or not. But do you think anybody else may be making their way over to the Bronx? Is this the beginning of, you know, maybe, you know, a couple of big signings like they typically do? Oh, yeah, for sure. Most definitely. Brian Cashman has already come out and said, you know, this is only the first move that we are going to be making. You know, they still need that second star, strong pitcher. And one of the guys that pops into my mind is uh, Patrick uh, Corbin, who uh, previously played for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's a... Another guy who's still, I think he's I think he's about 30 years old, who had a great season. He kind of fell off towards the second half of the season, but started off real strong. And, and I'd like to see him in the Yankee uniform. I think he could be t- uh, a huge, huge asset for this Yankee team if they do wind up uh, signing him. For sure. I agree with you 100%, Kyle. Now, Chris, my question to you. Um, Adrian Beltre has retired. He was in this league for, what was it, 21 years? Yeah. And he was a phenomenal baseball player for a very long time um if i get his exact stat total up here um which i'll get to in just a moment but chris what were your thoughts on beltre and the impact he had on this league for such a long time you know you really don't see like adrian bell his name always comes up in the conversation of like oh he's so good he's so good he's been he literally has been he's been around for so long i mean 
he's he's phenomenal. I think he'll will he will, he'll get into the Hall of Fame without a doubt. I don't know if first ballot, but that's besides the point. You know, this guy's always this guy was always in the MVP talk. He's a couple of Gold Gloves, a bunch of a uh, bunch of All Star appearances. I mean, this guy was something else, and he definitely helped improve this game of baseball. Mm-hmm. Now, Beltre's final stat total on his career: four hundred seventy-seven home runs, over seventeen hundred. RBI, six gold gloves in 21 years, played for the Dodgers, Seattle Mariners, the Boston Red Sox, and the Texas Rangers. Baseball loses a great one and moves on, retires from his professional league career. All right, so now we're going to bring in our whole crew here on our first official segment of the night. College football, guys, it's been a very wild year. Um, you know, there may be one or two teams in the current top four that people maybe didn't exactly expect to be rated that high. Now, let's review some of last week's game that have led to that point. Uh, the fir- first off, Mike Dawes, who is not here tonight, shout out to you, Mike Dawes, on the show. Uh, Ohio State, ranked 10th in the nation, survives Maryland by one point in overtime by, realistically, the skin of their teeth. And it was a failed two-point conversion. Um, obviously, Ohio State's been missing Nick Bosa practically the entire season, but if I'm Ohio State, I, I realistically, I, there's no way in to this top four. Um, I, I really don't think there's a way in. No, yeah, Tom, without a doubt. I mean, this is this is embarrassing. I mean, let alone how many points favored were you in this game against Maryland? I'm pretty sure it was a, at least above 20 from what I remember. But to almost lose to them and to let them not only almost lose to them, but to allow 51 points up on your defense, your defense is not that bad. I know you're missing Nick Bosa, who's probably going number one in 2019, but your defense is not this bad. To let up 51 points to Maryland, that's embarrassing. And, Tom, like you said, there's no way, even if they beat Michigan, I don't think they should be considered in the top four. Right. Um, Kyle Earhart, actually, you have a, a different opinion on this matter you think Ohio State does have a road in what is that road I feel like the road would be really tricky but uh it would have to have Georgia lose to Alabama which most likely will happen you have to have Oklahoma lose to West Virginia which also could happen so I feel like that if Ohio State also has a big following in college football so any way they can squeeze in Ohio State to get him in there they will try their their best to get in Ohio State. Uh, Chris, now, again, Ohio State's had an up-and-down season. They've lost a lot of games, but Dobbins on Saturday was phenomenal for them. Over Had over 200 yards on the ground on 37 rushes, along with that touchdown that he had. And Dwayne Haskins, 405 yards, three touchdown passes. He had the one interception, but Haskins also had three touchdowns on the ground. This guy really put the team on his shoulders. That's six total touchdowns. If I'm doing the math correctly... Haskins scored all but not all except for maybe one touchdown, maybe two. Talk about the impact that he had on this game. And realistically, I don't think Ohio State would even be in this position without him. Absolutely right. I just want to say one thing first. I texted Mike after the game, and I saw how I saw the Ohio State score. I was like, bro, 52 to 51. Are you kidding me? And he was like, he was like Chris, that was, the most, that was the most stressful game of football I ever watched in my life. But... I know, Tom. I think you, you agree, agree with you 100. percent Dwayne Haskins has filled in, has done a nice job this year for playing quarterback for Ohio State. Come in as a sophomore, you really didn't know who. Because in the past couple of years, you had 
JT Barrett, Cardell Jones, uh, Braxton Miller. All you knew, you knew who your quarterback was going to be coming into this year. Coming into this year, you had you, you, it was kind of like a bit of a question mark for, with Haskins, and he's done a phenomenal job yeah. this year doing that. I mean, yeah, they're only Ohio State's strength tenth in the nation. Usually, they're top seven, but he's doing a fine job for what Ohio State's doing right now. Completely agree with you, a thousand percent. Look, they have a huge opportunity against number four Michigan this weekend. Realistically, they can spoil it for number four Michigan. Georgia has to play Alabama. LSU, ranked above them, has two losses. I don't even think they're in the SEC championship game. So realistically, you can count them out. Washington State has a tough game, and I don't think they're, you know, immune. I, I, I that wasn't the right word. I don't think they're ready to move up to that point yet. Um, I think six, realistically, is their ceiling. And then you have UCF at number nine, who the committee is going to give no respect. So maybe you're right, Kyle. Maybe a win over Michigan could put them in. I don't think so, because then you hope for about three or four other things to happen, which are possible. I just don't see it. It's going to be tough for Ohio State to get in because they are ranked ten. But a win over Michigan and their home will will definitely help them out a bit. They might jump like, let's say three spots. They might yeah. they might jump over LSU because they have two losses and Michigan's a very good team in the playoffs right now, number four. Yeah. So you can see that. And then, I mean, I know they're probably I know Northwestern isn't the greatest team or the sexiest team to beat. Right. But they are ranked nineteenth in the country. So I mean, that's still that's still a good number to have. And it, it's very possible they do, but a very slim chance they, a uh, very good chance they don't too. See, this is my concern with Ohio State. You lost the turnover battle to Maryland last Saturday. You had three turnovers in this game, which is not okay, um, especially against a Big Ten opponent, a conference game opponent. That's what a lot of people are watching: conference performance. Um, you know, but um, Ohio State did have nearly 700 yards of total offense, 688 total yards of offense to be exact, and. No knock to Maryland at all. They had over 500 yards of offense against a strong Buckeyes team. Yeah, they were missing Nick Posa, but they still have other key pieces to that defense that are, you know, they've been heavily relying on this season in the secondary and on that defensive front. So moving on from that game, my favorite game of the weekend, which happened about maybe six to seven miles away from my house in Queens, New York, uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish manslaughtered. The Syracuse Orange, thirty-six to three. Um, they were ranked twelfth in the nation coming into this game, and everybody was saying, "Oh, watch out for the upset! Watch out for the upset!" You know what's funny? Technically, Notre Dame—they were the home team in this game, over seven hundred miles away from home. As were Syracuse. It's just the four-hour drive up. You know what I'm saying? Through Pennsylvania or Albany, whichever way you take. But besides the point. Um, Syracuse came into this game riding high. You know, they haven't been ranked this time, this high since like the early 2000s, since the whole selection show thing started. And they just laid an egg in this game. DeVito looked awful. He threw two picks to Drew Tranquil, who's been a phenomenal fifth year, sixth year senior leading those Notre Dame linebackers. I mean, he's as old as me and Chris here in the studio. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, those two interceptions by Drew Tranquil were very key in this game. And the atmosphere in the Bronx, you know, Syracuse is closer to the Bronx than Notre Dame, but Notre Dame, there's a lot of Notre Dame fans in New York. We have three Notre Dame fans here in the studio. Chris, Kyle, what were your thoughts on this game? Great game. 
this was a phenomenal game. Look, I understand that uh, Eric Dungey got injured for the Qs. He was the starting. He's been their starting quarterback yeah. all year. Been solid quarterback all year for that for the Orangemen. But that's no excuse for the rest of the players on this team. They just they'll go out and tell them, like you said, lay an egg. Like this was just an embarrassing, very loss. embarrassing. By the twelfth ranked team in the nation, they yeah. were twelfth ranked team in the nation, thirty six to thirty three. Awful. And it was just not good. And look, people can say that if say if Cuse did win, they would have been a top ten team probably after this week. Oh, I completely agree. If, if they beat Notre Dame too. But now that they don't, they're just they're just going back to now they're ranked twentieth in the nation where they probably belong. And they have a they have a decent game against uh Boston College this, Kyle this weekend. Earhart. And that's a good point. Boston College was ranked uh, earlier this season, too. Ian Book. This guy was the backup to start the season. He came in at the end of week two, I think. Wimbush had too many turnovers for comfort. Brian Kelly was, had to make a change. Ian Book in this game threw for nearly 300 yards, two touchdowns. He had the one interception, but talk about Ian Book. And do you think that his leadership, I think he's a junior now or maybe a redshirt sophomore, what has his leadership done for this Notre Dame offense I and think, his team? I think – well, first of all, he he limits the turnovers. When when Woodbush the first first two weeks, he he didn't look he didn't look good like he did last year. He he did pretty well last year. Didn't yeah. turn over the ball that much. This year he turned the ball over a little more. And ever since Ian Books came in, it's just this offense looks totally different. They do. They they look prepared. Like they know what they're doing. And the d- defense side of the ball is just scary. I think they're pretty good defensively. Obviously not as good as like Alabama, but you know they're pretty good. They're 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 fun to watch. Yeah. Definitely not as good as the defense. I think it was 2012, 2013 when they made it to the national championship yeah. game. That defense was incredible. Um, but now you look at this team now, and realistically, guys, Notre Dame has been turned against by many in the committee for years now because they're an independent school. And, you know, UCF is kind of having that similar uh, trouble now, but. You know, this speaks a lot for the independent schools because Notre Dame has gone out of their way to schedule games against tough teams. They beat Stanford this year. They beat Virginia Tech. A lot of people forget about that game. They beat, didn't they play Boston College this year? And they beat Michigan. And they beat Michigan, who's ranked fourth currently in the playoff. And Northwestern, they beat. They beat Northwestern, who's currently ranked. And they just beat Syracuse, who was a top-12 team. A top-12 team. Notre Dame has a legitimate chance this weekend to go on the road in Southern California and beat the Trojans of the University of Southern California. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's on. But, but guys, guys, is this potentially a trap game? As Kyle Russo or Kyle Earhart, one of you guys alluded to before the show, this might be a trap game for the Fighting Irish of South Bend. I I agree. I, I feel like this is a really bad Here, USC please. team. Really bad USC team. Uh... They could be looking forward. Oh, this could be an easy game going to Southern California. Could be an easy game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a little bit of a trap game here. Already we're looking forward to the playoff and look who they're playing in a couple weeks. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with Kyle there. This definitely is a trap game. I think because you could look back at the history books. USC Notre Dame historic rivalry between the both of them. Yeah, USC has won one game out of the last five, so they're definitely due for a win. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't surprise me, you know, this kid, JT Daniels, he's a freshman quarterback for USC. He's decently good. I mean, he may not look it right now, but down the road, he'll, he'll have a huge impact. And if he wants to if he wants to be the man at USC for the upcoming years, this is the game to Prove do it, it against. Yeah. All right, so they have their hands full this weekend. Other games, 
we got to talk about Oklahoma State beating West Virginia. 604 total yards of offense. West Virginia's done. That was their second loss. Um, look, Will Greer had a fantastic career as a Mountaineer, but when you can't beat a team that turns the ball over four times, Oklahoma State turned the ball over four times against West Virginia. And West Virginia can't beat them? Come on. I mean, look, Will Greer had a decent game. He threw for 364 yards and two touchdowns. He had a pretty good game, but this kid, Cornelius, besides those two picks, this guy threw five touchdowns, and they outscored the Mountaineers 21-10 to in the fourth quarter. James, West Virginia, just they could not close this game, and you actually strongly dislike West Virginia. Yeah, I just don't. <clears throat> Sorry. I don't like them. I just I, I don't know why. I think it's just the name of the school. I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's something about that school that I, I just don't like. Either Chino Smith, all right. Thank you, Kyle. He doesn't like the team colors. He just doesn't. He's yeah. just not a fan. I'm not, a, not fan a fan of the name it, it's just, of the school. I don't know. I just, you know, that was actually brought up in an episode of a, a cartoon show back in the day. The <laughs> name of the school. Yeah, I hate the entire state of West Virginia, Jay. I... I just don't see them as a sports type of school for whatever reason. I don't know why. You right. don't see them necessarily as contenders rather than yeah, pretenders. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, like in the Big 12. You right. hear their name, West Virginia. Oh, I'm going to West Virginia. Cool, whatever. But I just don't see them as, like Kyle Russo said, as big contenders as some of these other bigger name schools have. Yeah, without don't a doubt. Don't tell that to my friend from White Plains who went to West Virginia, you know? No, but James, yeah, I get what you, I get what you're saying on a, on a serious note. But when you have a quarterback like Will Greer, you, you, you're you're a top ten team at worst, you know. And right yeah. now yeah. they're ranked thirteenth again. So, yeah. so well, that all goes. Oh, sorry, James, no. you go. You so go. definitely, they you know they they got they got some of the talent there to be a bigger school. Um, it's just a matter of when they'll be like a Michigan or an Ohio State. Right. You yeah. know, you know it's, it's just, a low it's a lower market area. Yeah. I think that's your point. Yeah. Um by the way, happy birthday. Thank you, thank you. Uh yeah, yeah. Joining <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoy Wednesday night. Hope you enjoyed man. I, I did. Wednesday night was a fun time. Me, James, Kyle, we had a lot of fun out in Huntington the night before Thanksgiving. It was a good yeah. night. I bet. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> um other games we gotta talk about Michigan, number four, beats Indiana, 31-20. to Georgia takes care of UMass, destroying them, 66-27. to Yikes. Georgia staying. Look, Georgia's knocking on that door. You know, there's opportunities for any of these four teams to lose this upcoming weekend or even the week after in the championship games. Obviously, Notre Dame a win this weekend, and you're in, you know. But these other three teams have chances to lose you know it's kind of reverse psychology chris sometimes not having that bowl game or you know that conference title game works against you but for notre dame that's one less opportunity to lose and they could potentially be the first lock in the college football playoff for that reason i understand what you're saying and the fact that like say like notre dame doesn't have to play like like alabama doesn't have to play like alabama has to play georgia or West Virginia has to play Oklahoma. Like you don't have to face that tough team. I get that, but in a sense, though, it, it kind of works both ways too because you want to face that like just to just to niche your way into the playoffs so you know yeah. you, you're guaranteed in there. Because 
if Notre Dame were to play like if they were in ACC, uh, Clemson. If they were to play Clemson and they beat Clemson, then it'd be like, all right, cool, we're in. Like you're just guaranteeing it. <laughs> but I, I, but I do understand what you're yeah. saying in a way too. Let me ask you guys a question: If Michigan winds up beating Ohio State and Georgia winds up beating Alabama, does that mean that Notre Dame is not going to be in the top four? Say that again. If Georgia, Georgia winds up beating, beating Alabama, Alabama and Michigan winds up beating Ohio State, do you think that Notre Dame falls out of the top four? What's Georgia ranked? Georgia's Fifth. ranked number five. You know, and that's a scary – I don't think so because Notre Dame beat Michigan. You beat a team that's currently in the top four. You can't take that away from a team like that. Yeah, but Georgia uh, beat number one Alabama. That's what I'm saying. I get what you're saying, Tom. No I completely doubt, but... understand what you're saying as well, but then I think at that point Alabama would drop out. I don't think so. I don't think or you maybe Alabama off. maybe Michigan would drop out, and then Georgia would jump in as the four, and then uh, Clemson and Notre Dame would move up to one and two, and then Georgia would slide in as three. I don't because know. Because look, that's but, but, I, I, it, you can't take an undefeated team out. That's the problem. Yeah, I get that. When they like, beaten ranked teams, yeah, like especially like said. Notre Dame. They haven't. It's not like they've slacked off at all this all this season. They've been playing solid all year, and I and I I think would. I think what it would be if that were to happen is Clemson would be one, Notre Dame would be two, Alabama would be three, and then Georgia would be four. Yeah. I think that's what it would be. Unfortunate for Michigan. I know I know it's tough to not put a Big Ten school in the college playoffs now, but that's what, it's look, that's what it might be if that Real, was the case. reality of the situation, yeah. Um, other games, Clemson rolls over Duke. Uh, Duke is an improved football program over the last couple of years, but no match for Clemson. Uh, Lawrence has been looking real good. Um, number fourteen Texas over number twenty five Iowa State twenty four to ten, and then they just won. I think it was either last night or today, twenty four seventeen. So Texas has won two games in a row. They're in line for a really big bowl game this year. And the other game we'll talk about uh, for anyone interested in Justin Herbert. Still, Oregon survives Arizona State thirty one twenty nine. Kyle James. Justin Herbert, 19 to 34, 262 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. These are at best mediocre stats against Arizona State, a team that's not even ranked. Yeah, Arizona State's beaten some good ranked teams this year. And yes, Oregon did get the win, but by two points. And, you know, this is not a good showing for Herbert, the potential number one overall pick in either this year or next year's draft, more likely next year. No, Tom, Tom, his stock may drop next year that, that's the well that thing. that was my whole point back to a couple of weeks ago when herbert was declaring himself probably not going to declare himself for this year yeah you know how much higher can i mean you can't bet on yourself any more than the number one overall pick i mean the only guy if justin herbert was to declare this year that i could see going before him yeah is nick bosa he's probably the only one that's guaranteed number one spot but justin herbert would probably go number two if that was the case if see, not number at one at this point in time yes you're correct you are definitely correct there um that's that's the only way that I see, you know, Bosa being well. To reverse your reasoning a little bit, I think yeah. if Herbert, you know, doesn't go and stays in school, Bosa by default is the number one overall pick. Yeah, without a doubt. But look, a lot of people were debating this last year, and out of nowhere, two nights before the draft, oh, Baker's going number one. So you never know up until the very last second. Teams like to use that philosophy, and the media portrays this guy as the top guy. And then it becomes somebody else. Not because they're necessarily the best player, but they fit the number one overall team's need. Yeah. That becomes more important than sometimes who's the best player and who deserves to go number one. 
Well, the thing with that argument does that, does that make sense? No, yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. that makes a lot of sense. But the thing with that argument is, last year you know you had a surplus of quarterbacks. This year, Justin Herbert, if he doesn't cl- declare, there's really not a lot of, you know, supply Will of Greer, quarterbacks. Trace McSorley and maybe Drew Locke. I don't see many. That's I don't see many Drew other Locke's names the kid on from Missouri, right? Yeah, yeah. but he, he's probably a high first round, early second round pick. He's not a top first round pick. Neither is Will Greer. But just back to the argument. Justin Herbert, I mean, he he is potentially the number one overall pick. Nothing could surpass him. And even you look at a team like Oakland, right now, if the if the uh, if the NFL season was to end today, Oakland has the number one overall pick. They don't need a quarterback, right? Or do they? Are they going to pick Bosa, or are they going to trade that pick away to a team that needs a quarterback? We'll see. Yeah, James. They got some other problems in Oakland. Yeah, uh, they have Besides a lot of problems that, in Oakland. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you sign a below-average head coach for yeah. a ten-year deal. I mean, come on. Get rid of one of them. Um, reminder: You can listen to our show tonight on mywcwp.org on WCWP Sports. You can watch our Facebook Live video here. You're friends with me, Chris, or James Montefusco on Facebook, and our call number for your questions, thoughts, comments: five one six two nine nine two zero. Three zero. All right, so uh, we do have a game in progress right now within the top ten. Actually, number nine UCF currently leads South Florida thirty-one to ten. UCF is on the road in this game, an American Conference game. Guys, I got one thing to say: the University of South Florida was one of the five last undefeated teams in college football. They're now seven and four. Crickets. Exactly. I mean, I don't understand how that happens. Was it just the benefit of the schedule? Or, you know, because they're not a team that's watched very much. I mean, you know, and UCF, Greg McCray, three touchdowns on the ground tonight. That run defense for South Florida, I mean, they're, I, th- I think the problem was they got to conference play. All four of their losses are in conference play. They had a lot of non-conference games that they won. You know, when you're undefeated for that long and other teams are beating each other up, you're kind of going to be ranked by default. You know, so that's something to uh, keep in mind there. So the current rankings are this. We have Bama at number one, Clemson at number two, Notre Dame and Michigan at three and four, Georgia at five, Oklahoma at six, LSU with two losses is somehow at seven over Washington State and undefeated UCF and one loss Ohio State to round out your top ten. Big games tonight, guys. Number six, Oklahoma, will be traveling to number 13, West Virginia. James hated that. Uh, actually pretty fun. You definitely don't like those country roads. No, not really. <laughs> no, just uh, a state of fact. Me and Dawes also don't like West Virginia, but I definitely like John Denver and that song. So yeah, <laughs> just to point that out. Um, other games, number 16, Washington, at number 8, Washington State. Guys, there's two top 10 games tonight. I mean, that's pretty nuts on a Friday night. And then tomorrow – you got number 11, Florida, against Florida State. That's always a big rivalry game to keep your eyes on. Florida is number 11, so they're in line for a big bowl game as well. Very impressive season. The big game of the day is going to be number 4, Michigan, at number 10, Ohio State. Uh, number 20, Syracuse, at Boston College. I think, I don't know who's favorite in that game, but Boston College is home. Is there a chance they can be an unranked favorite against a ranked road team? Because realistically, I think that might be the case. I'm actually going to... Uh, Boston College is favored by seven. Boston College is favored by seven at home against the ranked team. Because remember, Boston College was ranked this season. Yeah. They were in the top 20, top 25. Um, so, yeah. Other games, Auburn and Alabama. Auburn having a down year. But, guys, that's no walkaway win for Alabama either. 
you know, Auburn in the past has had some success against Bama. It's Auburn and then Georgia and then the college football playoff. Bama does not have an easy road. You know, you guys are talking about teams like, oh, Ohio State, Michigan. They've had much tougher schedules than Alabama. But Auburn, Georgia, LSU, you know, those are all tough games. And then you have South Carolina at Clemson, LSU at A&M, and then Notre Dame at USC. And the next week you have, you know, two big championship games, the ACC championship. It's already been determined that Clemson will be playing Pittsburgh and Bama will be playing Georgia. Also, a uh, quick shout-out to Sacred Heart University on earning a share of the Northeast Conference Championship this season with Duquesne. Uh, they won their game, and the LIU Post Pioneers will be joining them in the Northeast Conference last year. Shout-out to the LIU Post Pioneers. Football team on a tremendous season, a 10-1 and campaign, undefeated regular season, third Northeast 10 Championship in the last five years. Thank you, LIU Post Football. You will be missed. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about the New York football giants. You're listening to Review and Preview here on mywcwp.org. Now back to Review and Preview on wcwpsports.org. Good evening and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside... James Montefusco, Kyle Russo, Chris Klimazewski, and Kyle Earhart. So, let's get to those New York football giants who have won two straight games in a row. They defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by a score of 38-35 to on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Uh, Tampa Bay, they did score 21 points in the fourth quarter in a comeback effort, but they fell short. Guys, this was an awful game for Tampa Bay. Uh, Fitzpatrick started this game, you know, career-long journeyman backup whose spot started, you know, for teams like the Jets, the Bengals, Buffalo, and now Tampa Bay. And this was not what people would have hoped for. Um, 13 to 21, 161 yards, 167 yards, no touchdowns, three picks. Um, one word, rough. Rough. Yeah. And Jameis well Winston uh, came into this game after Fitzpatrick was benched. I think it was during the third quarter. Yeah, it was during yeah. the third. I don't, I don't know if it was at the start, but it was somewhere along in the third quarter. Winston finished the game 12 of 16, 200 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, and look, you can make the argument that Tampa Bay's defense allowed uh, you know Tampa Bay to get back into this game, but you got to realize that they have weapons on this team. O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, two mm-hmm. solid tight ends. You have Mike Evans, who's a phenomenal receiver, over 100 receiving yards in this game. D-Jax, Deshaun Jackson, who throughout the course of his career has been a, a walking nightmare for the New York Giants, the miracle of the Meadowlands, the other way around, part mm-hmm. two. Gosh, Matt Dodge. I remember uh, that play. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's not talk about it. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> the other guy we bring about is Peyton Barber, who just comes out of nowhere and runs for over 100 yards uh, against, you know, a Giants team that just traded away two of their defensive starters. So, yeah. look, Tampa Bay, I think, won the fourth quarter, but they weren't good enough to win the game. And shout-out to Eli Manning and the Giants. Well, it's one of those games that you're going to look at, and you look at uh, early in the season when they played Houston. You know, Houston had a terrible first half, and then they just came alive in the second. It was oh, one of those situations, lie. again, with yeah. Tampa. 
or in a way, Jameis rejuvenated this offense, gave this offense life. Not only all those players he listed, Tom, but Adam Humphreys, too, who uh, I believe had a touchdown. He had a touchdown. Yeah. yeah, he did. So, yeah, with all these weapons at their disposal, and Jameis Winston was able to almost carry them back. They almost had a real shot towards the end. He threw a pick, I believe, on the second play of the drive or the first play of the drive yeah. with about 40 or 30 seconds left. But still, I mean, this is – if I'm a Giants fan right now, which I am, this is not – this is not good. And that these games that that these games like <laughs> San Francisco, yeah, at these games like San Francisco and the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers Bay are, are as close teams. as they are. It's not good. They're I mean, probably... yeah, we could we could be happy, go home, and all giddy that, that we got the W. But at the end of the day, these are like two of the worst teams in the league right now. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, a win is a win. But I, I I see where this is coming from because you should be concerned. Uh, you know, if you're a Giants fan, if you're a Tampa Bay fan. Uh, yeah, the offensive line is getting better, but Tampa Bay, they got to Manning this game. You know, Gerald McCoy had two sacks. JPP, one and a half sacks in his return to MetLife. But I will say, if you're a Giants fan or you're a football fan watching this game, the Giants offense is starting to come around. This is the most points they scored at home since 2012, which is kind of embarrassing at 38. um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, Eli Manning, guys. People have been knocking him down, how he can't do it anymore. Give him two to three seconds to throw the ball, and he can still do it. His numbers, with a, with a decent offensive line, it was reported over ESPN this week, his numbers his numbers are near identical to Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Think about that for a second. In this game, Eli was 17 of 18. Eli had one incomplete pass. One. How many 37-year-old quarterbacks behind an average offensive line have one incomplete pass? None of them. On a 2-17. 17 17 of 18, 231, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah. His quarterback rating, 155.8. That's almost perfect. This win, thank you, Eli Manning. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. This was Eli Manning's week, man. I mean... You can argue that last week it was a mixture of Odell and Brian. Like, of course, they still deserve a lot of credit for, oh, this, yeah. for this victory. But this win, two weeks in a row now, it's been on the shoulders of Eli Manning. And he's cashed in. That first drive, the touchdown pass to Barkley, whoa. Yeah. They ran right. They moved right down Tampa Bay's throat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the thing when you look at uh, Eli's drive. I mean, it's just incredible what you saw. And, yeah, listen, Eli could still do it. There's no doubt about it. But we need – a guy who is more elevated. You didn't you bring think up, so three weeks ago. You didn't think so three weeks ago. Listen, Jamon Brown is uh, this guy. Listen, put in a right guard, <coughs> phenomenal. But when you bring up, when you talk about Carson Wentz, you also got to put in the fact that Carson Wentz had one of the most horrific injuries that a quarterback could have. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He, he's now becoming an immobile quarterback. He doesn't even run the ball anymore, and his accuracy is very poor. Behind he's still a, more mobile than Eli Manning. Behind it, well. well Every quarterback is, but yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, this is a big win for the Giants. This is a necessary win for the Giants. But when you look, speaking to Carson Wentz, you know you're playing Philadelphia this Sunday. Sure, Philadelphia is going to be missing their top five corners, and you have all your receivers and all your weapons can run a four-four, and yeah. there's no corners yeah. in the backfield in the secondary. So this should, I mean, I know Tom, you brought this up before. It not necessarily an easy win, but in my eyes, offensively, this should be. We should not be limited. 
we should have at least 25 points in this game. So before we jump ahead to next week, and that's a great point because the Giants on paper now just two and a half games back of first place in the NFC East and an Eagle team that's on the demise right now. They are not showing up. They're playing awful football. And you're right. They have no cornerbacks on their roster from a month ago. They're all hurt. But back to last week for a minute. The defense, the secondary really came in clutch. Curtis Riley and Alec Ogletree both had interceptions. Ogletree had the pick six to start the second half. Um, but B.W. Webb, B.W. Webb reminds me of a younger version of R.W. McCorders from about 10 years ago. R.W. McCorders was a cornerback for the Giants who was very underrated. He was at best a three or four corner. He could return punts. B.W. Webb kind of reminds me of R.W. McCorders. He's not a great cornerback, but he was forced to start in relief because, you know, the Giants lost Aaron Ross. Aaron Ross was a rookie. He was supposed to be the next best thing. It was him and Corey Webster. Right now you see it him and Janoris Jenkins are starting alongside each other, um, which B.W. Webb is not a number two corner. He's more of a four, at best, a poor man's three corner. Um, but, you know, he's doing the job. He made a great play at the end. He helped them win the game. Um, and overall, you look at the yardage in this game, guys. Pay attention closely here to this yardage stat. Tampa Bay had 510 yards of offense in this game. The Giants, 359. How did the Giants come away with this win? That's where you look at it. It's like a two-way. They piled it the on turnovers. Early. Tampa Bay, the turnovers. It's well, simple. When you look at this game, I mean, it's really a two-way uh, two-way street, and both pointing at the Giants uh, negativity-wise. The fact that they let up 500 yards on the defense, and Tampa Bay's defense is like the worst in the oh, league. Yeah. Yeah. And oh they, yeah. I mean, 350 yards is a lot. Oh, don't yeah. get me wrong, but still, I mean, this game should have been through the roof, especially with the weapons yeah. that you have. I mean, but Barkley had a major game, 142 yes. yards from scrimmage, Two three touchdowns, touchdowns on the three ground, touchdowns in total. One, one in the air. Yeah, yeah, three touchdowns in total. Odell had a touchdown, and, you know, Eli's getting them the ball. And this is that, that was the real question. This is where it got to the point where people were questioning Eli. Now you give him a right guard in Jamon Brown. You're at week, uh, I believe it's week 13 now. Yeah. No, week 12? 12? I think 12. 12. It's week 12 now. Your offensive line finally has some chemistry. Saquon Barkley has evolved. Oh my goodness! This this guy fifth in Pro rookie, Bowl voting, rookie of the year, no doubt about it. Fifth, that's amongst all players, all NFL players. Yeah, not yeah. just running backs, all players. Odell has Yikes. emerged. He's doing his job. He's doing it right. I'd like to see Ingram get a little more involved, though. I, I don't see a lot of options going well, to him. Look, in the game. He, he's not. He's clearly not a hundred percent. Him. He, look, he made a great play in this game. Yeah, yeah he, he, he had. You know, he hurdled the guy. His athleticism is there, but. They're more like sprinkling him in right now because there's been talk about converting Evan Ingram to wide receiver and well, that's no longer having is. him as a tight end because yeah. he's a liability pass blocker. He is. Yeah. He is. He is. Run blocking as well. I hate to say it. Red Ellison is the blocking tight end on this team, and that's why they start both of them because Evan Ingram's not a good blocker. Yeah. It's plain and simple. He is not a good NFL blocker. Um, yeah. And it, it's one of those things where you, you sit back and you're like, well, you know, why isn't he getting the ball a lot? Well, you got, you know, Barkley has been phenomenal out of the past game. And Odell Beckham is getting his look. Sterling Shepard is getting more involved. And you could even talk about the emergence of Corey Coleman as the potential new number three wide receiver yeah. uh, in this offense who's been phenomenal on special teams. And I think he's been the best addition all season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he has been. He's, he, I think it was twice he got us to the 40-yard line in punt returns. Yeah. And just as an option, like you said, Tom, I mean, we lost Cody Latimer, who was starting to emerge, and then he got hurt early in the season. This could be a potential guy that we could get at a steal of a contract for next season and potential for the rest of this season. 
because you know life was not good with Russell Shepard. No, it was <laughs> no, not. Uh, it was not as a third option. At best, an no. average special teams player. Yeah, um, more guys, like a bench warmer. But more stuff about the Giants here, uh, and Sa- and Saquon Barkley, who's been phenomenal. He's the first player, first Giants rookie with a rushing and receiving touchdown in the same game since 1982. That was also a game against the Tampa <laughs> Bay Buccaneers. Um, so a little fun fact there for you on review and preview. Um, but now we look ahead to the game against Philadelphia and the NFC East with Dallas's win over Washington yesterday. Look, that was a horrific injury to Alex Smith. Yes. Uh, and, you know, you, you really do feel bad for the guy because Colt McCoy came in this game and Washington was unable to come back. Uh, the Texans won again. But this is awful. Alex Smith, guys, a lot of people forget Alex Smith was the number one overall pick in the 2005 NFL draft. That was one year exactly after Eli Manning was drafted. And people are like, oh, Alex Smith is only 34 years old, and he's three years younger than Eli. People don't look at how long he's actually been around in this league. He was very inefficient at the beginning of his career as a starter for San Francisco. He was very inconsistent. He was in and out of the lineup, and people remember that. He got benched for Colin Kaepernick, and he'll forever be remembered as, didn't Alex Smith win a Super Bowl as a backup quarterback? He never won. Or did no. he leave? He left San Francisco before they lost, or they were in the Super Bowl, at least. They yeah, didn't win it. They didn't but, win um, He had He kind of rejuvenated his career with Kansas City, Yeah. and he opened the door for Pat Mahomes, who yeah. Yeah, and Smith will forever he be remembered him. for that. He and Pat him. Mahomes was devastated when he heard about that. Yeah. Guys... Uh, that's awful for Washington. The Eagles are on the demise right now. They are not looking good. They are not a good football team. Washington is 6-5. and five. Dallas, winning three in a row, is now 6-5. and five. The Eagles are 4-7. and seven. The Giants are 3-7. and seven. I sent James and Kyle a link earlier this week. There's 15 steps that need to happen for a potential <laughs> New York football Giants playoff berth. I, can't, I can't even believe... 15? That that's an option right now. But the NFC East is so bad. The Giants are two and a half games back of first place. Yeah. If Graham Gano misses a third a sixty three yard field goal, make that a game and a half back. This is nuts. Like, could this actually happen? I don't think it could. Could it actually happen though? There it, it's a possibility. It I mean this could. is it's very unlikely. This is like um, we're talking about maybe one percent chance. But if to be you look at the you. schedule on who's left there's three divisional games. There's the Colts and the Titans, and then there's Chicago. With the exception of the Chicago game, the Giants have a legitimate shot to win in all five of those games. And I guess not you, wrong. You, you never know because anything can, can happen on an, an NFL Sunday. Who knows because maybe the Giants game is a trap game for the Bears, but I, I think the Giants will lose to the Bears, but it's a potential trap game for Chicago if they keep winning. But you look at those other five games, they're winnable games. It's Andrew Luck and the Colts, who the Giants historically are awful against Indianapolis. Yeah. Tennessee is a winnable game. Yeah. The all three divisional games are winnable games. They can compete in all three of those games. Dallas may be tough. They're always tough. Well, now well, this they is got the Amari thing, Cooper. This is the thing know? with Dallas, though. We're not playing that. We won't be playing them until week, week 17. 17. Yeah. So they'll probably, because they'll probably have the division clinched, they Correct. won't be playing their starters. Which we could potentially take advantage of to That's get a wild point. But if we are in that competition for a wild card position, they're going to make sure they play the starters. Oh, okay, yeah. I completely disagree with you. You don't think they would? I completely. You don't disagree with you. You think Dallas will have the division clinched by week seventeen? 
Week 17 is the last week. They the beat up on a porous Eagles team. Uh, they played the Falcons. Or, no, they didn't play the Falcons. They played Washington, Washington. <clears throat> without Alex Smith. And what was the game they won this no, they past played, Sunday? They played they Washington they, without they, Smith. They did beat the Atlanta Falcons, who have been struggling. No, they played this Washington they, they without they Smith. Okay, they but I, I'm saying yeah. this past weekend. No, what's going to well, – yesterday, yesterday they beat Washington no, yeah, yeah. with Colt McCoy. Yeah. The nail in the coffin for us, Tom, is that we already – out of three divisional games, we've lost all three. That's okay, the problem. But look, That's you it. know, you had a great Monday night football game, one of the most epic games ever, which we'll get to in just a few moments between the Chiefs and the Rams. But then you follow it up with an awful Thanksgiving game with the Cowboys and the Redskins. Uh, America's team. <laughs> exactly, like, Tom. Really, <laughs> my gut is telling me. Shout out Jaden Daly, by the way, for watching. Um, Dallas has not impressed me yet. You have the addition of Cooper, which is great. The emergence of Leighton Vanderish and Demarcus Lawrence, that is great to have. And J- J- Jalen Smith, of course, as well. Have to throw him into the mix. But this team has not played a Chicago Bears team, a Minnesota Vikings team, a New Orleans Saints team. And, look, Dallas is going to get crushed by the Saints next week, I think. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I, I, I think they're on the road on Sunday night or Monday night football. They're going to lose. They're going to be 6-6 six and six if the Giants – it's not impossible. It's, it's but, not. It's, yeah, but you got Zeke, too, too. You see Zeke's coming back to his old form now. I mean, he's running over. He's okay. steamrolling Let people. me be straight up for a second. I think there is a very strong chance that Dallas wins this division. There is a very strong chance. Yeah. But you can't say the Giants still being in contention for the division the last week of the season at this point is impossible. Not you because the Giants are having good, because they're having a very bad season, but now things are starting to come to life, where they can turn this around by default because of how bad the division is, and the Giants, by schedule, have an easier remaining schedule than Dallas. Yeah, but you're forgetting about the Eagles, Tom, who have an easier schedule, who have the easiest schedule. But when was the last time the Eagles won the game? When was the last time an Eagles quarterback was not bent up like a pretzel? Listen to who they have to play. Their defense Listen is awful. Listen to who they have to play. The Eagles who? won a Listen lot last year because the of their Eagles? defense. They have their to, defense yeah, the is not healthy, okay. and you have Carson Wentz, who is fra- more fragile than glass. Tom, trust me. I Your starting running back is Josh Adams. Tom. A second-year player. Look who they have to play. A rookie. Listen to who they got to play. The Giants in Week 12. Then they play the Redskins. That's a win. And they How play- do you know? How do you know that? <laughs> you think Colt McCoy's going to beat them? You, you lost all your uh, on the defense. I mean, okay. Washington is Colt McCoy going to put up numbers on you? That's well. what I'm saying. I mean, he played but pretty well the, yesterday. But the Eagles are playing that bad right now too, where you don't know. And I think Washington still has a better defense than the Eagles. Yeah. And you have to yeah. consider that as well. Yeah, yeah. Because you've seen teams like hate to make this reference, but Rex Grossman of the Chicago Bears beat teams with better offenses because of Chicago's defense. I'm not comparing Washington to that team at all, but Colt McCoy, you know, he's a proven backup quarterback. He is a solid backup quarterback, a solid backup. Tom, hey, I just – Backup just, quarterbacks have made the playoffs before. I don't so, think they've won Super Bowls before, but I don't – I just don't see <laughs> – I don't see an outcome in which the Giants can make the playoffs. I don't see that. I love that follow-up comment. <laughs> won Super Bowls before. Oh well, yeah, they just did it last year. I just don't see a way. I mean, listen, look, look at, look at the argument. The argument is there, Tom. But look what you just had to say. There's 15 steps to a way the Giants make the playoffs. We're not talking about the Giants. We're talking about the Eagles and the Redskins game in a couple weeks. 
at the end of the day, you just if it's said not that, Dallas, the Washington game is a win. You don't That's think so? Well, not only do they play Washington once, they play them twice. The Eagles are four they and six. They play them twice. The and then Eagles they play the Buccaneers still. When was the last time the Eagles won a football game? Against the Jaguars in London before their bye week. Three weeks ago. That's not an impressive win. It's not impressive. Nope. A win is a win at the end of the day, right? Is our San Francisco-Tampa Bay win impressive? No. no. But a win is no. a win. But a, a win is a win. But it That's win. what I'm saying. And but, the Giants have, you know, a healthier team than the Eagles. Which is why you come into this game this week and you say, realistically, this is a strong possibility that the Giants find a way. Oh, I think so, 100%. I mean, top five corners. You've got to take this, this should, game in just a minute. This should, this should not be, obviously, listen, there's a whole defensive front that could take advantage of their O-line and linebackers in the secondary. But they don't have their top five corners. And with the weapons that we have, this should not be a hard game by any means. I don't think so. Right. Especially that our offensive line now looks kind of so, solidified. But, right. You, but working together this is where it gets interesting because you don't have your top five corners, and you're saying they can beat Washington. So if the Eagles can beat Washington, then we must also be able to beat Washington, which gives us another win, which puts <laughs> us into the race. And you talk about Dallas losing to New Orleans. They fall a game back. Am I missing something here? You put a lot of thought into this, man. You put a lot into it. Man, At the end I of the day, am reading this like an encyclopedia you right are now. It, really, took me, look, it took me 28 minutes and 15 seconds to read that article. Look, it, it, the only way the Giants <laughs> are making the playoffs is if they win the East, which is probably not going to happen. It's probably no, not. But, yeah, that, but that's the only way they're going to beat the East. You got Because you, you, the Giants still have to, have to pray that the Packers fall off, have to pray that the Vikings somehow fall off, the Panthers... Um, Even the, Seattle, Se- I was just, yeah, Seattle as well too. They need, and Tom, like you said, they need 15 steps for them to get to the playoffs. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's, that's, a, it, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot of steps for this team. It's a lot. No, if we were talking, if we were talking, if it was only Dallas and not Philadelphia also to get through above us, then I'd say yeah, there's a possibility. But the fact that not only is Dallas winning the division right now on probably a guaranteed standpoint, we also got to surpass Philadelphia. I think that's 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 a problem. All right, guys. So. Let's uh, let's pick this game. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say the Giants are going to win. And the Giants are going to score a lot of points. The Giants are going to win this game 28-24. Another close game? Mm-hmm. Kyle Rousseau. I'm going to call the Giants 30-23. Chris. Eagles 23-20. Kyle, Earhart, Giants, 28-20. James, Giants, 21-17. I'll let you. See, that's the, that, that's the problem with this team. You question it. Look at the look at the margins in our win predictions. The fact that. Our, the point spread is all over the place because we have no idea what any given Giants team on any given day is going to put up. And Rich. we've seen this before with substitute players on a defense that's supposedly supposedly right. bad, and Odell can't get ten yards. That's understandable. You know, uh, yeah, that's understandable. But look, I'm just saying, this division is wide open, and all four teams are still alive. And real, realistically, at this point in the season, this is the only division in the NFL where I think you can say that all four teams are still alive after Detroit's Thanksgiving loss to Chicago. Oh, well, yeah. this de- this this division is always that case. The NFC East is always the NFC least. It's it's anybody's division. Because the teams beat each other up. Yeah. You know, that, that's what it's notorious for. So, let's get to the Jets. 
Uh, before we take our break, before the top of the hour, uh, the Jets did not have a game last week. That was probably a good thing after the <laughs> 41-10 mauling given to them by Sean McDermott's Buffalo Bills. Um, so, Chris, Kyle Earhart, um, Darnold is out Sunday, so Josh McCown will be back at the helm again. Um, now, there was speculation about McCann potentially starting the season and bringing Darnold in. Um, but what are your thoughts on Josh McCown starting two games in a row? Because obviously, two weeks ago, it wasn't good. I hate it. I really hate it. Because, like Tom, like you just said, Josh McCown should have been the day one starter, easily. I mean, look, I mean, Sam Dolan's just looked like an average rookie all year, and that's fine. But it's now we're getting deeper into the season where guys are getting injured, you know, Guys like our wide receivers, Quincy Anuno was out for a bit. Yeah. Robbie Anderson was out. You cut Terrell Pryor, and that your uh, Blah Powell goes down with a neck injury, and it's tough now for Sam Darnold because now your weapons are going down, and now he, now Sam Darnold himself goes down, which even is going to decrease his production even more now, which is awful. So it's it's kind of stinks that he's not back yet. And honestly, if his if this is worse than it is, and he's not back, like I wouldn't want him to start because why? Why risk his being injured anymore? This guy's our franchise quarterback. Yes. Yeah, Chris, I completely 100% agree with you. I thought that they should not have put Darnold in as soon as they did, especially with the offensive line as suspect as it was. The only thing that benefited them was that the offensive line in the first four or five weeks of the season actually outperformed what everybody had thought that they were capable of, and mm-hmm. that's why they kept Darnold in as long as they did. But this offensive line was playing as poorly – as they did now, mm-hmm. in the beginning of the season, Darnold would have been out of there real quick. And they would have put McCown in easily. Kyle, now, I, I think uh, Sam Darnold is definitely the future of this Jets team. You know, he's going to be a good, great NFL quarterback. Um, but, you know, behind this offensive line right now this season, I mean, pretty much the season is not going in the direction where the Jets wanted it to. But, again, this is a young team. They're going against New England this weekend. Darnold's going to sit, but... Tyler Hart, what are your expectations for Darnold uh, for the rest of the season? Will we see him again at any point, or is he going to be kind of, you know, redshirted at this point? I think yeah, you have to see him at this point because you, you already know what you get from Josh McCowan, journeyman quarterback. You've seen him so many times. Like, there's no reason. I know he's been injured, Sam Darnold, but you have to see Sam. You have to, you have to see what you got. Josh, Josh McCowan's not your future. Sam Darnold is. You want to get him in as many games as you can to get him ready. Do we see Davis Webb? On Sunday, if you get the same audition you got from Josh McCowan two weeks ago against the Bills, you could see Davis Webb. Accordingly, you should. The Jets have been very impressed with how quick Davis Webb has learned the playbook. And the Giants' reasoning for letting Webb go was he couldn't get through his progressions as quickly as Laletta. Well, look at the offensive weapons that the Jets have. Look at the offensive weapons the Giants have. It's okay, a completely different well, system. You know, that, <laughs> no, look wow. at the look at the shots fired. Look at the look oh, at the. Oh come on, Russo. Look, look at the learning. Look, no, on a serious note, look at the learning. I mean, he has to learn how to throw to basically all rookies. I mean, that's which a, are a, on his level. With, it's a clean you know, slate. It's a clean slate where you, you, they're basically sponges. They're right. absorbing themselves as Davis Webb is, as opposed to guys who've already been in the league yeah. for already three, four, five years at this point. So, but no, it's not a. It's not an insult. It's not a shot. It's just it's just on a serious level. That's that's the case scenario, in my opinion. Last week, um, the we were talking about this, and you know, Dawes was just getting very frustrated, um, you know, because 
it was just one of those games where it didn't seem right for the Jets. This was a game that they should have won. It was kind of like the uh, – didn't they – they played a team in week two that they should have beat, but they lost. Was Miami. It, was it Miami? Dolphins at home. Yeah, and then, you know, they got swept by Miami this year, so that's never that's never a good thing. Um, yeah, so – but my more – more of my concern is for McCown – May this be his final start ever as an NFL quarterback? May this be the last of Josh McCown? It's definitely a question to think about, uh, especially if you're Josh in general, because just how they're already talking about the progression of Davis Webb and how you know he's going to potentially be the guy. And do you want to put in Sam Darnold in there as your future? God forbid he gets injured again yeah. and you put him in there again. Why not just put in the third-string quarterback over the 40-year-old? But, yeah, this is this is a potential real question for Josh McCown and the Jets team as a whole. Because, uh, honestly, after that Bills performance, I don't even know why they're letting him start this week. Fair point. Um, look, uh, again, I don't know as Chris is clapping because Phil Mickelson just defeated Tiger Woods on uh, his fourth playoff hole to win $9 million. Uh, but, look, this is a Jets team that people have talked about but the team we haven't talked about is the New England Patriots. James, you have a comment to yeah. pitch in here? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> before you uh, said a few sentences just before, I think it also comes down to the coaching staff as well um, on who starts. Yeah. Because you look at Todd Bowles, he should have put – I mean, me and Kyle were both – Earhart were both at the game, and we were like, why aren't we seeing Webb? You're getting blown out. You should have saw, you should have saw a different guy than McCowan. Um I think the coaching staff kind of has to prove themselves this week and somehow. Yeah. I mean, go, of course, the Patriots aren't a team that you can walk in and say, all right, we're winning this game. They're obviously You're going to obviously have a tough game and may or probably come out with a loss. Yeah. But they have to prove themselves in different ways to show I can be the coach next season. Yes. yes. I would say the last few weeks of this season – is kind of a coaching audition for them. Either they keep their jobs yeah. or they're packing up. Absolutely. I think everyone's gone at the end of the season. I can't wait for it. So These guys too. Too. <laughs> Well, you know, James, to add on to your point real quick, is that the fact that when you're a head coach, the veterans always give you the – or they always seem to give you the best chance to win. And that's why Josh McCown was probably left as long as he was in that game as opposed to giving Davis Webb the shot. That was why there was a whole controversy with the Giants yeah. because Geno Smith had – some background in playing rather than Davis Webb. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about New England for a hot second before we go to break. Um, I would be slightly concerned because you came out and you didn't look good against Tennessee last week uh, or the week before, and then they had a bye this past week. So New England also has not played in two weeks. They're 7-3. and three. Um. Gronk returns. Brady is questionable, listed, but he'll play. No, Gronk's also questionable. Gronk is also questionable, yeah. but I, I'm, I think he might give it a go this week. So, so, Sony Michelle, is there a word on him? No, I've, I've not heard. So anything. we're not sure. I think he might sit this one out because I mean he didn't. Uh, he's, he's, he got really banged up one week, didn't he? Yeah. Oh. Um, again, I'm not too sure on his status either. But look, it's one of those things where. New England is desperate to win for a win right now to create some separation, which a win against the Jets Sunday would pretty much put the Jets out of contention. 
Um, and then you look at Miami and Buffalo. Miami's the only threat at 5-5, five and five, but realistically, they're not a threat. Uh, so New England has this. If they win Sunday, they're that much closer to another consecutive playoff berth. Um, you know, the last 10 years, they've made the playoffs. So they've only missed it once out of, like, the last 20 years. There was 2008, the year Matt Castle started, and they still won 11 games, which is nuts. Um, last question. We talked about McCown, his final start. Um, even with a loss Sunday, does Todd Bowles still have a chance to coach for his job in the final five games after this week? Or do you think it's pretty much a done deal at this point? I'll start with you, Kyle. It's pretty much a done deal at this point. <laughs> after getting blown out by the Buffalo Bills at home, it's, yeah. it's a done deal at this point. Clem, your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a sigh. I mean, the pa- Jets are not going to beat the Patriots this week. Yeah. It's just, it's just flat out. The Jets stink this season. But I mean, I've I said agree. it. I've said, I've said it once, and I said it before. I didn't think the Jets were going to have a good season this year. I predicted beginning of the season six and ten. That was the record. Got three wins. Um, still very possible to get uh, yeah. three more wins towards the end of the season. But the one thing I wanted to see from the Jets this year was improvement. And I'm not seeing that from this offensive player. You know what the you knew what the defense was going to get you. You knew Jamal Jamal Adams was going to take a bigger step this year, and that's exactly what he did. He's proven he's one of the better safeties in this league. Marcus May, when he's on the field, he's phenomenal, but he can't stay on the field for the life of him. Jermaine Johnson, people can knock the tra- the signing all they want. It was a signing that needed to happen. He's playing he's playing under the contract we gave him. Mo Claiborne busting screen playing good. That defense has been playing good all season. But this offense has been stinking up the place. Okay, Sam Donald hasn't really improved or played bad, but Robbie Anderson, huge downfall. Yeah. Stinks this year. I thought he was I thought he was gonna have twelve hundred yards this year. And this offensive line, we need five new offensive linemen, plain and simple. Yeah. So uh, let's pick this game. I'm gonna go ahead. New England thirty five to three. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to pick New England 35-10. I'll give them the touchdown. That's Kyle Earhart, correct? Correct, yes. Kyle Rousseau. Oh my god, Tom, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give it uh I'm going to give it 30 to 20. I'm not going to I'm not calling a slaughter. Oh my god, 35-3. James. <laughs> I guess they're putting on a clinic for the Jets on Sunday with Tom's pick. I'm going with uh, New England 28-14. Chris? (laughs) 27-13. Patriots, Patriots. (laughs) Excellent work, guys. We're going to step aside for a quick break, and when we come back, we will have our team of the week. You're listening to Review and Preview here on my WCWP. This is Review and Preview. On WCWPSports.org. Good evening and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Rousseau, Kyle Earhart, James Montefusco, Chris Klimazuski. All right. This just in, um, UCF defeated University of South Florida. And, you know, we are a sports talk show, so sometimes we're going to uh, break off and bring in some hot topics for a second. This just in, um, Kyrie Irving wants to retire in early to mid-30s. And Stephen Curry, not hurt in a multi-car accident that he was in today. 
So, that is the latest. Let's get to our team of the week. We will start with James. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, it's a nice birthday present. Let him go first. Yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, I'll go with the Saints. Okay, much better than last week. You picked the Islanders last week. Remember that? Yes, I did. I mean, I could pick them again since they did win tonight, but I'm not. <laughs> Kyle Earhart. My team of the week has got to be the St. John's Red Storm. Uh, haven't lost yet. Shimori Ponds. I like it. Shimori Ponds is playing out of his mind, but we all knew that was going to happen. Beat VCU. St. John's Red Storm. Kyle Russo. I'm going to go with the L.A. Clippers, who are surprisingly, surprisingly number two in the West right now, have won eight of their last ten games. Team of the week, L.A. Clippers. Oh, I really thought you were going to pick my team. I really thought you were going to do it. Chris <laughs> Kalim, your team of the week. After winning the Maui Jim Maui basketball tournament and beating Duke, Gonzaga Bulldogs. I like that pick. Um, crap. So... Fish just in. <laughs> Texans owner Bob McNair has passed away. Yeah. yeah. This just in today, or recently, a couple hours ago. I yeah, think. a couple hours ago, yeah. Um, so other breaking news, um, which that the, the reason why I brought that up is because the Houston Texans are my team of the week. Uh, the Houston Texans are now 7-3. and three. That's tied for the most wins in a row in team history, seven straight. And right now, they're the kings of the AFC South. There's no question about it. So I think we all picked really good team of the weeks. I think all the teams that we picked are valid. Even St. John's Red Storm, that, that was a good one. That's that was a good, good curveball, Earhart. Out of the blue, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, all right, so let's review and preview the NFL games from last week. Green Bay loses to Seattle. 27-24, that's seven straight road losses for the pack. Are McCarthy's days numbered? This was a question we brought up last week. We think it's overdue. Yeah, I agree with you, Tom. I mean, you, you're looking at everything. Um, you got a quarterback. You got Aaron Rodgers. He can only do so much. But with the way um, he's, he's coaching, I think that his days are numbered. I, I see after this season, it, I think they'll be shopping around for a new head coach, depending on how the season ends. If somehow they make the playoffs like they miraculously do, which we all know, he may be around. If they don't, I think he's gone um, or put in a different position within that organization. Let's just hope that Green Bay, you know, obviously today is Black Friday. They don't go shopping on Amazon like, you know, the Browns did for Condoleezza Rice to be a head coaching candidate. So That's very true. Um, yeah, you know. It's just one of those things. Kyle's <laughs> <laughs> face. Green, Green Bay has not won a game on the road this season. So keep that in mind as Rodgers tries to lead this team somehow down the stretch. Uh, Dallas beats Atlanta 22-19. Ezekiel Elliott was a beast. Um, the Amari Cooper effect has been great. And Leighton Vander Esch with that interception late, you know, he's really plummeted them to the top of the NFC East right now and he's been a great addition as a rookie Baltimore beats Cincinnati in a highly contested divisional matchup trying to get the Ravens back on track and as of today the Ravens are the sixth seed 
in the AFC if the season ended today. That's how it would end. Uh, another game we got to talk about, uh, Detroit over Carolina, 20-19. to Guys, this is the second time in the last couple of weeks we've seen a team score, and they bypass the extra point to go for two. And then Cam Newton overthrows rookie DJ Moore by, like, 10 feet on a two-point attempt. What was Ron Rivera and the Carolina Panthers thinking? I don't know. For a team that runs the ball as much as they do with, an, with one of the most athletic quarterbacks of our McCaffrey, generation, one yeah. of the most – no, not McCaffrey. I'm Newton. talking about Cam Newton. The guy stands six – You just called him a running back? No, somebody, I, I swear I thought I heard somebody say McCaffrey. Uh, McCaffrey. I did. Yeah. No, I'm talking about Cam Newton. You have a six-five quarterback who's arguably the most athletic quarterback of our generation. What he does, the guy just needs to reach his arm over, and it's a, and you convert. I'm pretty. Was it a touchdown or a two-point conversion? It was a two-point conversion. Yeah, you convert the two-point conversion. I don't see the reason to throw, especially with the time that he had. He had plenty of time on that throw, but this is a game that's gonna, it's gonna haunt Carolina for sure. You're starting to see teams shoot themselves in the foot after good performances and good comebacks with just bad play calling, bad late game management. You see it all the time. You know, you saw it here on the LIU Post campus last week where the LIU Post football team had a fourth down where they should have called their last time out to go over the play. You know, it's just stuff like that, these little things that could be game-changing calls. So Cam Newton was not so lucky. Uh, and, you know, rightfully so, the Detroit Lions survived and uh, got a win. Other games, uh, the Colts topped the Titans 38-10. to Where does this come from? I mean, I'm not surprised Andrew Luck is playing this well, but the Colts are now back in the divisional race. I don't, if I'm not mistaken, they haven't lost since the game to the Jets. Yeah. I think I saw a stat, and it's, and it's tremendous, this guy's impact. Quentin Nelson, that offensive line hasn't let up a sack to Andrew Luck in like five games. Quentin Nelson, at this time next year, will be the best offensive guard in football over Zach Martin. He might already he he might be he really might be. I mean this, to I mean you remember Andrew Luck he was out for two years because of sacks, because of getting hit as many times and not allow a sack in five years. So Quentin Nelson could potentially be rejuvenating Andrew Luck's career. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, look, Jack Muhort retired, so you know this is a big addition for this Colts offensive line. And if you look at the AFC South, yes, Houston are the front runners in the division right now, but now the Colts have the same record as the Tennessee Titans. You know, a team that made the postseason last year. They actually made round number two last year. That's how bad the AFC was. The Titans made round two. Since when does that happen? I remember the last time that the Titans played Past the first round of the playoffs was when Kerry Collins led them to a 13-3 and record back in 2008 when he was like 36, 37 years old. But, um, yeah, no, Tennessee, they have a legit shot, but the Colts now do as well, blowing out the Titans 38. That's a big – that's a divisional game too. That's huge. Blowing a divisional opponent out, that's big. That's seven straight games where Luck has had at least three touchdown passes. Um, question. Is Andrew Luck comeback player of the year? Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yep. Without a doubt. Not even a question. For the AFC, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of comebacks, the Pittsburgh Steelers come back and somehow defeat the Jaguars 20-16, to basically virtually on the last play of the game as they were down 16 nothing. Was it 16 nothing heading into the fourth? 
it was. Yeah. And then Pittsburgh did, you know, their typical Pittsburgh thing. Um, actually, no, I think they were down 16-6. to six. I don't remember exactly, but... Um, it was a close game. Right? Yeah, it was a close game. And then Pittsburgh, the touchdown, was it Vance McDonald that caught it? It might have been. I think it was Vance McDonald. No, it was Antonio Brown. It was Antonio Brown who the was last left touchdown of the game. Oh, uh, the last touchdown of the game was ran by Big Ben. He ran it in for the oh, touchdown. That's right. Yeah. But there was one play where Antonio Brown had was wide open and I, I don't know how you can leave a player like Antonio oh, Brown it was wide like that open. Seventy five yard pass down the field. He was wide that was completely blown coverage by Jacksonville. Good good job, Barry Church, Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> Just would like to say the Jaguars have not won a game Boy, since they beat the Jets too, so uh Yikes. This is very surprising, guys. Jacksonville obviously ten and six this season. You know, when Jacksonville was beating New England by multiple possessions in the AFC Championship game, Jacksonville didn't look like a ten and six team. They looked like a thirteen and three team. And now all of a sudden they're three and seven, and the dogs of the AFC South, and they're in, they're in possible contention for the number one overall pick in the two thousand nineteen NFL Draft, guys. Does Jacksonville have any shot at the playoffs this year? No, no, no shot. Especially with the division. What, what is the reasoning for it? it because is it the the division is more competitive thanks to the return the returns of Luck and Watson. I think it's part of it. I think it's it's a combination of three things. I think it's the fact that Leonard that. Fournette was out as long as he was. They True. lost almost every single game that he didn't play, except for the, I believe that Jets win. Marquise Cole's been out for the whole, or no, Marquise Lee has yeah, been out for the whole year. Yeah, he got hurt preseason. He's your arguably your second best receiver, probably behind T.Y. Hilton and D.D. Uh, D. D. Westbrook. T.Y. Hilton, T- not T.J. Yeldon. Oh my God, oh, you got me thinking about the division. <laughs> Austin Safarian Jenkins is their starting tight end too. That's and that as is, you would say, that's a problem. Oh well, here's another one. Blake Bortles is your quarterback, He's making eighteen million dollars over the next. My problem is this: when, when I speak to Jacksonville fans. They don't view Blake Bortles as a problem. I've, I feel like Do they part, view him as God or well, something? Well, my, my problem is I feel like part of the reason why is because they're used to awful football. They're used to David Garrard, By, Byron <laughs> Leftwich, Mark Brunell. Like, you know what it is? I don't Bortles think they blame. is actually a step up from the quarterbacks that they've had. That's why they – I feel like that's part of the reason why they think that way. I don't think they think it because of the quarterback play. I think they see it as look at the weapons that he has around him to throw to, and None. I think that plays into factor None. when they look at Bortles as a quarterback. And because he had when a he good had, game, I think, when he uh, had, a couple weeks ago. If you, if you remember, a couple years back, it was either two, three years ago, when he had Alan Hearns, when he had Alan Robinson, Robinson, he had a phenomenal and season. And he had Mercedes Lewis. He did. had. Um, To sum this up, though, Jacksonville currently has the longest losing streak in the NFL at six games. Guys, Jacksonville was 3-1. Now, they're 3-7. Yeah, but you also got that guy on the defense, Jalen Ramsey is his name. Oh, and Telvin Smith is is not cutting it, too. Miles Jackson had an awful year. Jalen Ramsey, they played in this Pittsburgh game. It was not because of the defense. It was because of yeah, the offense. They traded, away, they traded away Dante Fowler as well to the Rams. So, you know, that's they, part did. Of it. they did. He's well, running his well listen, there was talks much. about Jalen Ramsey possibly being traded this offseason. There was talks. Yeah. There was talks before this game. I'm uh, sure he's talking about it, too, with his mouth running. Listen, a player of that talent, I'd want to be traded, too. Shout out John Unterweger all the way from Oklahoma. Um, now, to wrap up these other games here, we're obviously going to get to the big epic Monday night showdown in just a moment, but uh, Houston over Washington, 
Again, devastating injury to Alex Smith, as we talked about earlier. Houston now on a seven-game winning streak. That's tied for the best in team history. They were my team of the week. Denver upsets the Chargers, and this was actually a very fun game. You saw Wadman with that fake punt pass, the conversion to Janovich, yeah. which set up you know, a touchdown, and Case Keenum looked good. Yeah, He did. They're not a he bad really team. Good. This Denver team is not a bad team. They lost the game early in the season. It might have been a game or two, actually, that they lost because Brandon McManus missed the field goal. In this game, he won. Denver won because he made the field goal. And I'll tell you who didn't look good. Phillip Rivers. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. He did not he look did not. good. He's usually... Melvin Gordon and uh, Keenan Allen are, you know, are part of the – I feel like they cover up Phillip Rivers a little bit because Rivers can still make the plays. He can still make the throws. He also likes to talk for half an hour on his post-game press feeders. But, um, you know, <laughs> they went on the road and they beat Seattle on the road. That's a big win. But then you follow it up with this. Like, Listen, I, mean, I, don't, I don't blame – I don't blame Philip Rivers necessarily. No, I'm not necessarily. I mean, he did have Phillip two Rivers. picks, but he threw for 400 yards and two touchdowns. No, he he's been a very good yeah, quarterback yeah. for a very long time. Yeah, but you would think actually this win would be easier with Joey Bosa coming back for the first time, but it, yeah. it only became harder and for the defense know, you to have, stop them. You have Joey Bosa and Derwin James, the the two young guns on your defense. Um, so you know that that is a little surprising. But nevertheless, Denver gets the win, and the Chargers are now seven and three. They're still, um, you know, they're still number one, or they're number two in the AFC West behind Kansas City. But they're still the top wild card team, and I think they're going to finish as the top wild card team. There's really no competition. You know, you look at Baltimore, Tennessee, maybe Cincinnati, and maybe you throw the Colts in now as well. But there's really no competition, and the Chargers are a potential first round upset on the road against the home team if they play a team like houston or kansas city they might upset them do you think the chargers could catch kansas city by any chance i mean they still have to play they them don't have, they they still have to play them and now the chiefs are nine and two the chargers are seven and three I mean, remember kansas city has a bye this week so if the chargers win they're one game yeah. back and it's going to come down to that game that's really i think they can catch them. you brought that excellent up. point because that's a i'm now looking at the schedule now for kansas city they got to play the Raiders, which should be a win, coming off the bye. And they play the Ravens, and they play the Chargers, then they play Seattle at Seattle, yeah, and then finish off with the Raiders. That's a, that's, that's a great point. They might, I mean, this Chiefs team, we look at them offensively powerhouse, but the Chargers could potentially slip into that number one spot over the Chiefs. I mean, these are some games that Kansas City can lose, without a doubt. Yeah, and you know, you look at the two and three teams in the AFC right now, the Steelers and the Patriots, look, Steelers barely got past Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, Jacksonville. And then New England just lost to Tennessee after the bye, and Tennessee just lost to the Colts. So, you know, you got to really think that Kansas City should have this number one seed, but the, the AFC is really open come playoff time. Records reset, 0-0. Um, Saints roll over the Eagles, and then they win last night for their 10th straight victory. The Bears defeat Minnesota on Sunday Night Football. They held the Vikings to 268 total yards of offense. Um, they win that game 25-20. Kirk Cousins had two picks. I mean, Minnesota played okay, but, you know, Thielen's starting to uh, not get as many looks. Uh, his Obviously, his numbers were very good, were phenomenal. Now they're good, you know. They're not phenomenal. So, you know, your, your numbers are obviously aren't going to be phenomenal for all 16 games. 
which they were for the first 10. But this past game this week, his numbers were good. They were okay. Um, Minnesota, still, they're in contention for a wild card spot, but um, they have some competition. They really do. You know, the NFC is competitive. You have Carolina. You have Green Bay. You have other teams that are in contention as well. Um, the Seahawks. So, watch out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess maybe you throw the... No, you're not going to throw the Eagles in there. Never mind. Uh, maybe Dallas or Washington. You never you, you never know. Um, okay, so... Cleveland, we talked about their head coaching vacancy. Who may be the head coach next year? If they do go ahead with interviewing Condoleezza Rice, she would be the first woman to ever interview for a head coaching job. So that's kind of interesting. A little bit of history. A little little bit bit of history. history. A little bit of history into a sports talk show. But the big review game here. Oh, boy. (laughs) I was on the edge of my seat, guys. Can we all admit here this game was a modern-age NFL game? Team scoring points yards racked up this was a game for the ages a monumental historic monday night football game that i actually stayed up to watch it was like a it was like a college game They're like all of all the points going up that's what goff said after the game that's why i liked it so much well however these two starting quarterbacks are not too far removed from college both are still under 25 years old so you, know, you know, keep that in mind you know what? i'll give you my opinion as a football fan i hated it i really didn't like what? it i hated the numbers being put are up. you okay i see that this game is more to me concussion? This game, to me, is a source of entertainment rather than football. I want to see defensive stops. I want to see defensive plays. I don't want to see a hundred and what a hundred five points in a football game. In a football NBA teams can't even score hundred five points. I'm going to see that in a football game. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous, especially with the defensive players on both sides of the ball. Listen, fun fact, James, go ahead. All right. Um, I think it's just the modern era of football now. You see all yeah. these, you see all these great wide receivers. You you have one a very top one on Kansas City. Then Gall- go. he had over two hundred receiving yards, I think. Oh, I enjoyed him in my fantasy league, along with <laughs> golf. Um, but you, you see this now. You're, you're having these more high powered offenses that you need to have more defensives. That's fine. You can. That's just so high powered that. It's just the modern way of the game that, she, that that's coming around. Yeah. I mean, I I see it as no. I get what you're saying. It's like, a modernized game, but I'm, I'm saying I don't like the way that it's going. I understand that you want to see defensive stops. I'm with so you on I. that but because it makes it interesting. It's fun but at the same time, if you're just if teams are going up and down the field, yeah, it, you know, I think that could be also interesting as well. It yeah. depends on the viewer and how they like it. Um, look. Uh, the fun fact I was going to bring up, before Monday night, teams scoring 50-plus points in any game in NFL history were undefeated at 216-0. and This is the first time ever that a team scoring over 50 points lost in an NFL game. Guys, the NFL has been around forever. <laughs> Virtually. Like, think about it for a second. You know? I mean, look, for, for instance... The Giants have been around since 1925. The Chicago Bears have been around since like 1922, 19, or maybe before that. But you get the point. It's been around for over 100 years, and it's the first time a team scoring 50 points has lost an NFL game. 216-1 and one is now that record, and this happened just four days ago. I mean, for all the fantasy owners like myself that had golf and... Uh, it's your birthday present, right? It, oh, yeah, you it, liked it, yeah. You know, I... I fell asleep watching it. 
And then Kyle te- Earhart texted me, he's like, oh, how are you still losing? So I go back, I like a 1% chance of winning. I look at it, I'm scoring 300 Did points. Did you guys play each other? No. No. The next morning I wake up, I see 149 points. I'm like, was I dreaming? There was a Yahoo error. And then a Yahoo, yeah. yeah. The Yahoo error but came into play. For those games, for the the, the fantasy owners, I'm sure you love Appreciate it. When you probably weren't going to win, you won. Yeah, um, so... Our Instagram poll that was online, 55% of our voters picked the Los Angeles Rams. So thank you for those who voted for both teams. It was a very good game, very tough to debate. And another stat, Pat Mahomes had six touchdown passes. That was the most in Monday night football history. Uh, Shout out Pat Mahomes. He was great, uh, but he did throw the three interceptions, though. You could see some some inexperience late in his throws. And what a way to end it. Former Chief Marcus Peters, the game-clinching interception for the Rams. What a play. You know, Mahomes basically just throwing it up for grabs at that point. I mean, he's doing the right thing. There's really no other move because you're trying to get into range. But, man, a great play by Marcus Peters. There's no other way to put it. There is no other way to put that. Um, Let me ask you guys a question real quick on Pat Mahomes. So he's at, I believe he's at uh, 30... I believe it's 37 touchdowns. 37 passes. touchdowns right now. The record is Peyton Manning's record of 55. I think Pat Mahomes will beat that. No. You no. don't think he's going to no. beat it? He's no. more interested. Last game he had, what, four interceptions? Three. Three? Uh, look, I'm not saying that's the that's the reason. I don't necessarily agree with that reason, James. But I, I, I think it's going to be more of Kareem Hunt in the running game moving forward because Kansas City, if they start, you know, after the Chargers game, they're going to start running the ball more if they're ahead, you know, when you're ahead in games like that. I mean, he's thrown 37 through 10. I mean, he's got six left. Excuse me, five left. Five games. Throw 18 what, are, touchdowns. what are we talking, 18 touchdowns 18. in five games? I don't see it happening. I mean, it's not impossible. I mean, to do some quick math here, that's a little, that's a little over three touchdowns. It, but the, but the guy's been it's doing doable. it. It's definitely doable. It's doable. The guy's been doing it. I mean, he's what is this? But this you brought, you brought up the chief schedule as well. So that that's that's, yeah, that's not true. easy. That's, that's not, true. That's definitely. I mean, not easy. They play the Raiders on Sunday. It's all it's, play the Raiders twice. Yeah, it's, it's very possible he throws eighteen touchdowns in that game alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. No, it's definitely possible. <laughs> but four hundred seventy-eight yards, six touchdown passes against the Rams. So yeah. Kelsey also had over 100 yards and a touchdown, 127 on 10 catches. Conley had two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt was great. Mahomes was okay. Well, good stats, but he was okay. But Jared Goff, the guy nobody talked about in this game, 31 of 49, 413 yards, four touchdowns. He outplayed Mahomes. Mm -hmm. He didn't make mistakes. Mahomes made mistakes. That was the difference in this game. Bravo, L.A. Rams. Oh, and talk about Josh Reynolds emerging as the number three receiver. Cooper Cup obviously going down with the torn ACL. You thought that would maybe disturb the Rams' offensive rhythm flow a little bit, but it didn't seem to. It didn't seem to. Gurley still got his, you know, 55 yards, but he also contributed through the air. He had um, 39 receiving yards, but Higby as tight end, 6 for 63. Woods with a touchdown. Cooks over 100 yards. Reynolds, 6 for 80 and a score. I mean, you can't say that's bad numbers for a guy who you're just asking to fill in this week. Gerald Everett, I believe, the tight end for the Rams also had like he two had touchdowns. Touchdown late. Yeah, he, he did two have touchdowns. two touchdowns. Yeah, so, yeah. man. And the yards in this game, Rams had 455, Chiefs had 546. 
see, that's a thousand yards of that's it's it's too much. It's not. Okay, I mean, I get it. But sense Kyle, of and I'm going to ask the other three in the studio a question. Yeah. I'm going to get their answers and see if you agree. Was this the best football game to watch all season long? Yes, best NFL game. Yes, I, I have think it, it is one. Yes, that's just because like I understand what Kyle says. It's not like you know you really see a defensive game here. But I mean, you people want come to see touchdowns. They come to see the scores and all that stuff, and that's yeah. exactly what you got in this game. With with that, each team was scoring over fifty points. It's exactly what you got, and you couldn't ask for a better game to watch. At least you know it was very exciting on both ends. Granted, there was no defense played on both ends, right. but you had nice a, to see. Yeah, it was just nice to see a lot of people just scoring touchdowns. Yeah, without a doubt, best NFL game you're probably going to see this year, besides Super Bowl. But regular season game, without a doubt, is the best. James. Yeah, I, I say yes. I do agree with Kyle mm-hmm. Russo on yeah, the extent. I do though. I, I do agree with Kyle. There should have been more I defensive plays. Well. No, yeah. But I, I think that takes any throughout the rest of the season. I think that's probably going to be the best game, the best, the most anticipated matchup of the season. Yeah, yeah. That could have no, either went for a Sunday night game or the game of, of the week. No, without a doubt, you know, James. I, s- I get that a hundred percent. The the source of entertainment that it was. You know, you don't want to drag a football game. So I don't want to shoot out, man. You don't want a basketball score up there. The question is, do you agree with us that it was the best game played this season? I agree that it was the best game. It was the most intriguing and definitely the most entertaining. It was just a sense of, you know, I mean, we were just you talking about. You would like to see a more well-balanced we game. We were talking like about. to see good defense as well. We Correct. were talking about Aaron Donald before and arguably, you know, one of the, can become potentially one of the greatest defense players of all time. You know, and he's best, on that team. But not the best. And he's on that team. And I get it. There's 10 other players out there on defense, but at the end of the day, you know, 51 points, guys. That's a, that's a bit much. It is a bit much. And, you know, I guarantee you Lawrence Taylor never gave up 51 points to a defense. <laughs> Aaron Donald and the Rams did. My argument for that is that Taylor can just do so much more than Donald. He revolutionized the game where linebackers started to rush the passer and get sacks. People look, oh, he only had 132 and a half sacks. Lawrence Taylor had sacks before they were recorded in the NFL record book. People don't realize that. Oh, he had 132 and a half sacks. What about the nine and a half sacks he had as a rookie from the linebacker position where it wasn't common to get over five in a season? He revolutionized the game, and that's why you see Khalil Mack. That's why you see guys like J.J. Watt. You see these outside pass rush, Ryan Kerrigan. I know Watt's a defensive lineman, but you guys get the point. Yeah. It's one of those positions where he can – he was a great pass coverage defender. He rushed the passer. He can play on the defensive line and stop the run. Donald can't do all of those things. Well, what I'm, what I'm, I'm go sorry. ahead. Okay. Well, what I'm going to bring up with that, and it might, I mean, it might sound a little funny, but this is like a serious thing. When you look at the linebacker position, the linebackers get through from the holes of the defensive line opens up. That's my point. Because you know, of the D line, but Taylor made his own holes. We, we, we yeah, we know we know that yeah. without a doubt. And listen, I'm not saying Donald is going to be, I think he has, out of most NFL defensive he players, has the best he has shot a out phenomenal it. chance. Him and Khalil Mack, I, I truly believe they can My be. thing is, is, I think the question should be more, is Aaron Donald the best defensive tackle, like the, the best interior defensive lineman to ever play the game? I think he already is. I, I, th- I think yeah. that's... I think he already Whoa. might be. I, I, mean, I don't know. I, I might be going too be. far now, but maybe in a year or two. I, think I just think be. we've seen too much of a small sample size, you know, where I feel like... When you talk about best defensive player in the NFL, it went from J.J. Watt. People forget about Von Miller. Like you know, it, it was him for a hot second after Watt, and then, it went and to then it became to Don. And now, now it's, it's Khalil Mack. Mack. Yeah. yeah. 
So, no, I get what you. I get what you're saying. Argument too. Yeah. It keeps going quick by quick, yeah. quick by quick. Where Taylor had that threat his whole career. He was the best defensive player. Aaron Donald will not be able to say the same. Yeah. When all is said and done, would you say LT was a hybrid at his position? Yeah, without a doubt, <clears throat> this guy could a whip do, player like Jared Chester was for LIU Post. This guy did things <laughs> that traditional NFL players just didn't do. He had the speed, he had the athleticism, he had the strength that guys normally don't have. That's why we see with Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack, they're just special guys that you don't see necessarily a lot. Yeah, um, very special. Yeah. Question for you guys: Before we finish reviewing, there are two NFL players without looking at your script. Do not look at your script for this question. <laughs> there are two NFL players that remain that were drafted and started playing in the NFL in the 1990s. Oh. Can you name those two players? Hint, they're both kickers. Adam Van Terry. Correct. And uh, uh, Janikowski. Incorrect. Go- oh. It's not Goskowski? Close. Oh, no, Close. Matt Bryant. Uh, no, incorrect. Close. Let me think. It's a kicker, kicker, kicker. He was always on a bad team, and he, he's now on a bad team as well. Shane Leckler. No, Phil Dawson. Leckler Phil Dawson. Punter. Phil Dawson is correct. Phil Dawson. Uh, for the record, Matt Bryant was uh, drafted in 2002. Phil Dawson. He did play. He, he did go professional in 2000 when he started with the Iowa uh, barn, Barnstormers. So, But, yeah, a little fun moment here on the show. Um, the Thanksgiving games, the Bears beat the Lions 23-16. to Chicago gets their first win in Detroit since 2012. Wow. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Wow. That is a long streak. That, that was, was a, a fun long. fact. Did you have fun with that? I had fun. That was interesting. See, he's not as energetic as Dawes with the fun facts. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I think Dawes, no, Dawes, Dawes, <laughs> Dawes his eyes light up Dawes like a Christmas tree. Dawes is the dog, he lights, man. he lights up like a Christmas tree when he, he does. Fun <laughs> oh, um, man. Chase Daniel started for Mitchell Trubisky. Was he in the concussion protocol? Was, was yeah, that the was. deal with him? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and Chase Daniel in this game, uh, he was impressive, 27-37. Didn't turn it over, two touchdowns. Stafford, however, was not playing against a tough Bears defense, no touchdowns, two picks. Um, yeah, this was a typical Thanksgiving game. The Lions lose, typical Thanksgiving game. Uh, again, Ezekiel Ansah, however, a little bright spot for the Lions. Sets the record for most sacks in Thanksgiving Day games. Eight and a half, he passed NFL legend Reggie White. Wow. He's oh, he's young. Well, Detroit Did I light you up like a Christmas tree that time? Well, no. That I, I mean, it, it, it no, is yeah, Thanksgiving. For a second, so it's Thanksgiving. So he, but Detroit plays every Thanksgiving. They play every Thanksgiving. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense. But, yeah, Zeke Alonzo's only been in the league for now like four or five years. So that's, yeah. that's definitely a huge accomplishment to be in conversation with Reggie White, as legendary as he was. He's arguably the second greatest defensive player of all time, right behind LT, in my opinion, anyway. But the second game, yeah, Khalil Mack is an argument as well. Uh, the second game was Dallas and Washington. Ignore the score on the script. Uh, Dallas won that game. What was the final? 31-17? And I don't care. Yeah, so, yeah, look, snooze fast because the bright spot of this game um, – Amari Cooper had eight catches, 180 yards, and two touchdowns. And Amari Cooper had the most receiving yards in a single game for any Cowboys wide receiver since 2012. What do you think about that? What do I think about it? Yeah. I think that you beat. They smacked up your fantasy. Yeah, you beat my. What do you think about that? Wow, that was an (laughs) impressive stat. 
Shot fired. And it, give, it gave me something to be thankful for. Tom smacked my team around with one player. I mean, but oh my, I'm already down 50 Smack, points. All we had was three games. Oh. But anyway, back on a serious note, Amari Cooper is a great player. Yeah, he's a great player, yeah. and the Raiders just misused him. They did. And now you're seeing, listen, do I think he was worth a first-round pick? No, no, but I think he could v- validate that over the course of maybe another season. He may give Dallas a push into postseason. But he's showing you what he could do. He's a dynamic, athletic, strong receiver. Yeah. And, and you saw it against uh, this Redskins Coming team. into the season, I think Dallas was projected to finish last in the division. Yeah, because yeah. of the receiver depth. They had nobody. They had no, you're starting your best Dez, receiver was Cole Beasley. Witten retired. Well, because then you got the guy in Oakland that's like, oh, I'll go away my best wide receiver to Dallas. Hey, a first round pick. Listen, a first round pick. I would have done that. Any, I would have done that. Um, a first round pick. Maybe not Khalil Mack, but Colt McCoy with the with the three picks. You know, you know, typical Colt McCoy start. A homecoming for him. Obviously attended college at the University of Texas. The third game. The game. The Saints and the Falcons. Saints win ten straight. They're untouchable right now. I mean, yeah, they only won 31-17, but Atlanta had four turnovers in this game. Matt Ryan was their leading rusher. That's a problem. And then Drew Brees has been phenomenal this year. Drew Brees, I think, is the unsung MVP right now. Nobody's talking about him for MVP. 29 touchdowns, two interceptions. Oh, he's definitely. Can I repeat that stat? 29 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's my MVP. He's my MVP. He's hands down my MVP. Well. Over Todd Gurley, over Pat Mahomes. See, I mean, he's it, my MVP. It, it depends on how how many. For me, it depends on how many touchdowns Pat Mahomes finishes off the season with. Yeah, but it, it's, that's a good point too. It, it, it's close. It's close. But Drew Brees is definitely my my number one option right now yeah. for MVP. Look, and the Saints defense. Give all the credit in the world to Cameron Jordan, those guys up front, AJ Klein, everyone in that secondary, Marcus Lattimore. Uh, look, Matt Ryan was their leading rusher. It's not okay. But where's Tevin Coleman? You know, like come on. I think this team really misses Freeman so much. They do. Injured what first game of the season, they 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 really miss him. I think uh, he played once and then got hurt again. Yeah, yeah. He came back. So time is everything. Also for this Falcons team, me and Kyle were talking in the car on the way here, and uh, we were saying that they got so many good play. Earhart, by the way. Yeah, so you pointed many, at Russo. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was there. I didn't even know. <laughs> so many good players on the Falcons team. Like, you got Julio Jones that, what, has one touchdown? Yeah. Doesn't get really targeted in the red zone. We had this discussion where it's like, Odell gets targeted, shorter guy than Julio Jones, and he's still pulling plays off. Why aren't yeah. you targeting your big man in the red zone? Yeah. There, there's something, I, f- I feel like, something else than what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Because you have to look at it this way, it's like you have all the you have pretty much playmakers on that offense, but why aren't they being used to where they should be? Because you're mi- you're missing Kyle Shanahan. You know? Yeah, that's, that's, it. that's a huge. You can't so, They have not been able to recover. That's that's bottom line. Yeah. I mean that was the season Matt Ryan won yeah. the Super Bowl MVP, and they have not been able to recover. So, um, I will say this: Breeze only completed 15 passes in this game. However, 22 yards. One of his two picks on the season were last night. Uh, four touchdown passes. However, the Saints have won ten straight games. Look, you want you want to compare stats? Drew Brees, twenty nine touchdowns, two picks. Mahomes, yes, eight more touchdown passes than Brees, but also eight more picks at ten. Three of them on Monday night's game. All right, it's that time of the show. Uh, we're going to preview the only big games really this week: Seattle at Carolina, big game, wild card implications. Green Bay at Minnesota, 
is the Sunday night game. You know, Rodgers is hot at this time of the season. That's where he gets the magic hand a little bit. Let's see if he can lead Green Bay. They have the easiest schedule remaining in the National Football League. And Tennessee at Houston, a big key AFC South divisional matchup. Now, obviously with three games on Thanksgiving, uh, we cannot pick those games because they're already done. Um, But let's get to it here. Waste little to no time. Chris, as noted last week, you are first. All right. My upset is going to be Packers over the Vikings. And my lock is I'm going to go on the dangerous side here. Uh-oh. Browns over the Bengals. Oh. It's my lock. Oh, it's my man. lock. Dude, Daw- like Dawes would be yelling at you. Right I know now. he would. I know he would. I like it. I like it. I like it. Instagram live. Okay. Listen. That's a very possible game. Listen, A.J. Green's out. That's very possible. That is very possible. I like that pick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Kyle Russo. Okay. My upset, I don't know why this is an upset, but my upset's going to be San Francisco over Tampa Bay. I don't know how that's an upset. And then my lock, my lock is going to be the Chargers over Arizona. You also picked the Chargers as your lock last week, and you failed. <laughs> Thank you. You were 0 for 2 last week. Thank Tom. <laughs> Just throwing shade my way. God. <laughs> did did the Raiders win last week? Uh, I can check. Wow. Yeah, they did. No, nobody cuz Clint, yeah, you did. had them as your upset. 21. You you were 2 and 0 last week. I was? Yeah. 2 and 0 and he got to pick first. I was week. 1 for 1. I picked the Saints and the Vikings. James, you picked the Steelers and the Lions. You were also 2 and 0. And Dawes picked the Giants and the Cowboys. He was also Two and zero. Oh. Sorry, Kyle. Guys, I'm pathetic. I'm just. I just can't do my job yeah, correctly. Yeah. <laughs> James Montefusco. Yep. You are next. All right. So I am going to go with uh, the Jaguars over the Bills. As your lock. Lock. Yes. Sorry about that. And then as my upset, I am probably going with Seattle over Panthers. Okay. Like it, like it. Like that. My lock, New England over the Jets. My upset, G-Men over the Eagles. Kyle Earhart, you are next. My upset is going to be Browns over the Bengals. Okay. And my lock, I'm going to pick the Red Hot Colts over the Miami Dolphins. I like that. All right, so that is our lock and our upset. We're going to step aside for our final break of the evening, and when we come back, we will talk some NBA and college basketball. Stay tuned. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWP.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. By the way, wishing a very happy birthday to Kara and Groglio, former radio station member here at WCWP and a good friend of mine as well. All right, we welcome back, folks. We are in the home stretch, the final 13 minutes of our show. Here on MyWCWP.org, phone lines are now closed. It's time for some NBA basketball. So um, we're going to talk about Houston and how they've drastically improved um, their playoff chances. Since dipping Mello, their playoff chances have improved by 20%. And I'm pretty sure, I don't think they're undefeated since they let Mello go, but their record is, they're, they're back over 500, you know. The, the Rockets right now, they've won five games in a row. In fact, they might be undefeated since letting Melo go. I think they are. This is this is insanity because they're back in the race. One, two, three, four, five, six. They're the eighth seed right now. 
Um, they are 0-2 within their division, but you know they've won eight, eight out of their last ten. Uh, this is the team. They lost Trevor Ariza, Luke Richard, and Bob Mute in the offseason. And now you bring Melo in, you let him go. Uh, Ryan Anderson is gone as well. So now, because a lot of the money that would have went to signing these key role players went to Clint Capella because you needed him as your center. I mean, yeah, you definitely overpaid for him, but that's today's NBA, and that's how it is. So um, Houston trying to make their way back into the things in a very crowded West where, surprisingly, the top three teams right now are Portland, Clippers, and Memphis. I mean, you kind of maybe expect Portland to be in the top three, but not number one. You know what I'm saying? They're number one at 12 and six as well. The West is kind of, they're kind of like beating each other up right now. And Golden State has dropped to the fifth seed at 12 and seven. I mean, it's only by half a game, but you know, uh, the West is always tough to figure out because there's, there's always that saying that once you're 25 games in, you pretty much know around where you're going to be. And then from that point, you can say that for the East, for sure. Like, if I'm Boston, I'm worried. But if I'm, like, Golden State, I'm not worried. You're, you're half a game back. Half a game. If you're Denver, you're one game back. If you're the Lakers, you're a game and a half back of the of the one seed right now. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but the 9 and the 10 seed in the West are two games back of the top of the West. How Like, how, how is this even possible? I don't know, but it keeps the NBA entertaining because, I mean, I don't know about me, but... I guarantee you the rest of the world thought Golden State was going to easily take the West. I think again. everyone in the studio thought yep. Golden State was easily going to take the West I mean, that was a guarantee, you know. But Steph has been out, you know, the dysfunction between Kevin Durant and Draymond and probably the locker room in which that uh, situation caused a dysfunction in that locker room. Yes. And, you know, here's a real question to be brought about. Does this situation that just occurred in Golden State, is that the end of a dynasty? Is this is this the be, is this the beginning of an end of a dynasty? I don't know if I'd go that far, but Golden State currently has the second longest losing streak in basketball, only behind the Atlanta Hawks, who are two and fourteen, and that is not saying much. Guys, this is the Golden State Warriors. They've won three out of the last four NBA championships. What's wrong? Kyle made a prediction. What is wrong? Like this is in in, in fear, infuriating. Like, what is going on? I wouldn't say infuriating. I mean, I, I don't know about you, I, man. I'm kind of like happy. I kind of like that. This it's, is. It's, in, it's infuriating for a lot of people that, that this is happening because this is a team that should be blowing through the West right now. But isn't it a good thing? I mean, it keeps, it keeps basketball entertaining. It, I mean, does. it does. I mean, look, we talked about Portland, you know, not necessarily thinking they're going to be the one seed in the West, but maybe in the top three. But look at the two and the three. My Memphis Portland. and the Clippers. I mean, those teams, we people predicted to be at the bottom. And well, Memphis, Memphis picked is it healthy, four. finally. And now the Clippers are near on, nearly unbeatable at home. Yeah. Memphis and L.A. are nearly unbeatable at home. I uh, mean, you would think L.A., they've lost three superstars over the last three years. You would think they'd be at the bottom. Without Blake. And then Memphis just picked the fourth overall pick in this past year's draft. If you look at uh, the Clippers' starting lineup, who is it? It's Patrick Beverly. Is it Gallo still? I know the backcourt, I think, is Bradley and Beverly. Is Gortat still your starting center? I think he might be. And then, you, you know, you got Luke Richard, Bob Mute, which was a great acquisition. Tobias Harris has been playing great. You have Gallo. You have Montrez Harrell, who's emerged nicely. And then you have the Lou rookie. Williams. Yeah, the rookie. And Lou Williams. Shy Gilligas Alexander. Yeah. He's been phenomenal. Yeah. Very underrated as a player. Um, and also, you know, you have good role players on that team, like I just mentioned. So, and look, they're, they're playing Portland Sunday in Portland. So that's going to be a good game. All eyes on that. 
Um, other news in the West, uh, LeBron making his return to Cleveland in Ohio. Uh, they had a video tribute for him with the NBA championship. Uh, and I'm going to say this. Um, when Le- LeBron was shaking hands, obviously Channing Fry got a but Seti Osman got a very warm welcome from LeBron James. You know, there was rumors going around that Seti Osman was one of LeBron's favorites. Yeah. And, and he's kind of the leader of this Cavs team right now because – Kevin Love is hurt. I mean, you have veterans like Channing Fry and Jr. Well, Jr. is done with the team yeah, now. Jr.'s gone. Well, Jr. is right. done. But yeah, you know, I mean, that was over the past couple. Because Seti Osman, I think, has been with the team. I believe it was his last two years that LeBron was in Cleveland. Yes, he became his favorite. Le- he became one LeBron's of his stat line Wednesday: thirty-two points, fourteen rebounds, seven assists. The only one by four, but hey, a win is a win. Um, I know we're talking about NBA right now, but uh, Dawes just texted me. I got his locks and upset of the week for the NFL. If we want to just do that for sure, a hot five let's seconds. Sure, let's hear it. Dawes' lock is the Pats, and his upset is the Bills over the Jaguars. Yikes. I like that. I, I like, like it that. a lot, too. You know what? Dawes is gonna be, he's going to be right, too. He's, he's rarely wrong on this. Dawes has been 2-0 for a while now. Um, yeah, so the, the Lakers with LeBron, that's been key. And then... Minnesota, yikes! I mean, they lost to the Nets last night, and your leading scorer was Derrick Rose with 25 points off the bench. The Timberwolves are eight and eleven. Realistically, when you, when you look at the West right now, there's only one team that's definitely not making the playoffs, and that's Phoenix. But other than that, everyone else is fair game, and the Timberwolves right now are making a case for them to be the second worst team in the West. When you have stars like Cat, Wiggins, Rose, Jeff T. Taj Gibson, Robert Covington, who they just acquired. Role players like Luol Deng, Jared Bayless, Tyus Jones, Gorgie Jang. Anthony Tolliver. Come on. Like, wake up. It's, I don't. Dario Saric. It's not good enough. It's who, not good enough. Who's their the starting five right now? It's Saric. It's Towns. It's. D Rose is the Wiggins. starting point guard. It's Rose. And I, I'm guessing Teague. Well, Teague's been out. Rose is their T- starting Teague's point guard. has been hurt. So, wake up. Smell the coffee. Smell the roses. Right. The West is confusing. Uh, the, the Clippers, actually, we talked about it. The Clippers of Memphis, they beat Memphis in OT today. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely a, a fun stat line there. The final score of that game was 112-107. The Clippers win their eighth straight at home. Um, you know, and Memphis came into this game. Look, they acquired Kyle Anderson from San Antonio, which was a good move. Jaron Jackson Jr. has been great. Marcus Sol and Conley are back healthy. You know, and you have Garrett Temple. I think Memphis is going to fall off at some point. I don't think they're going to finish the season over 500. I really don't. But I think the Clippers might. Um, the only reason why I see a fall off of Memphis is because I can't remember the last time Mike Connolly's finished a season healthy. Well, my problem is you have Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, and Montrezl Harrell all on your bench for the Clippers, which is going to be good for them. But with Memphis, you're right. Conley never stays healthy. Gasol is like 35 years old at least. And then you have these role players on Memphis. They're nothing special. In the West, you need special talent. Memphis doesn't have it. They don't have it. They have old players. They're an old team. Besides Jared Jackson Jr., they're an old team. I don't see it happening. Currently right now, the Rockets are beating the Pistons, heading into the fourth, 83-78. to Boston on top of the Hawks. What's going on in Beantown, man? Like, what's going on in Boston? Because last night they lost to the Knicks. I mean, they got 
torched by the Knicks for most part of this game. Yeah, they only they ended up only losing by eight. But Trey Burke, 29 points, 11 assists off the bench. I mean, if you're Boston, you can't allow that to happen. This game happened on Wednesday night. Excuse me. But Boston is sitting right now at 9-9. Nine and nine. When do you start to get concerned? I think you get concerned right now. I mean, really. I mean, because they are losing easy games. I mean, the Knicks, the, Knicks at, the Knicks at the Garden, not Madison Square Garden, TD Garden, that should be, that should be given. My problem is this. You took Hayward out of the lineup, and you're, you're, you're getting bigger. Aaron Baines is now back in the starting lineup, which I love Aaron Baines. He's a serviceable role player type of guy that can start for you. He can start. But the problem is the contributors off the bench last year, Rozier, four points. Smart, four points. That's not good enough. Those are your two best bench players, well, after Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris had 13. Hayward had 14 off the uh, no, Hayward had 19 points off the bench. Marcus Morris had 21 off the bench. Well, the thing with Hayward is, it, I mean, he's playing, but it doesn't look like he's playing. It, it doesn't, doesn't look, look like right, he's fully recovered. My problem is that's their whole bench. They don't have bench depth. They yeah. don't have bench depth. All they have is Morris, Rozier, and Smart. The bench goes from okay to horrible. That's the problem with Boston. Simi, Ojolet, Brad Wanamaker, Daniel Tice. That's not a good backbone to your bench. Yeah. If one of your bench players get hurt, you're screwed. Because Hayward is fragile. This team has no depth, guys. This team has no depth. Yeah, and, and I'm going to keep saying that again. As crazy as it sounds, this team has no depth. Yeah. Especially with now Philadelphia has Jimmy Butler. Milwaukee is uh, yeah. looks unstoppable. Toronto is quietly unstoppable. Yeah. And uh, even Detroit. Even Detroit. Blake Griffin has truly emerged as not only just an athletic player but a shooter. Yeah. Uh, the Hornets have been playing well lately. Kemba Walker is really emerging into a great star for this Hornets team. Uh, talk about, like, their impact, guys. And, and, like, Chris and Kyle in particular here, Kemba Walker's been around for a long time. Charlotte's 9-8. and eight. And Walker's always been a scorer, but right now he's really lighting things up. And he's a small guy. He's only 6 feet flat. I've always been a huge fan of Kemba Walker. I always thought he's been underrated by some of these point guards in this league. You know, Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, phenomenal. I he got to give him to that. But Kemba, I feel like he's always been very underrated and very, like, flying below the radar. And he's been yeah. a very, very good point guard, and he's proving that right now. While, you know, guys like Kyrie, they're not, Kyrie and Steph Curry, they're not really playing up to their full potential like they usually do. So it gives guys like Kemba Walker a chance to show their ability and show what they what they actually can do. Mm-hmm. They've been a big force in the East, and as you guys know right now, Toronto leads the East at fifteen and four. Any final thoughts on NBA guys? No, James, Kyle Earhart, nothing. No, I think go Knicks. Yeah, yeah. you know, let's go see. Knicks. Get that number one. Get that number Charlie one. Charlie will play this year uh, with a minute left in the show. College news quick. Uh, Notre Dame forward senior Elijah Burns will transfer. He will graduate in December. On the basketball court, he is a redshirt junior. So he's leaving, which leaves one senior on the Notre Dame roster, or two, uh, Rex Fluger and Liam Nelligan. And this Notre Dame basketball team trying to get back to what they were a few years ago, not going to happen because the ACC is very crowded. 
Duke was upset by Gonzaga in Maui for their first loss of the season. Any final thoughts on that game? It, it won't affect Duke much. It was a one playing at three. Two excellent teams. Duke's still, in my opinion, the best team in college basketball. Zion's a freak. Man. Zion's Barrett's. I think Barrett's even better than Zion. I think he's just more athletic than he is. But uh, uh, Gonzaga's going to be pretty good. I, I think they're, they're good every year. They have a bunch of seniors, but they're good on that day. We'll see when it comes tournament time. And let's see if they can get back to the Final Four. On that note, we'd like to wish you all a good evening. Thank you very much, Facebook Live, Instagram Live. Everyone that tuned in on our link, mywcwp.org. On behalf of James Montefusco, Kyle Earhart, Kyle Russo, Chris Klimazuski, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Tune in next week for more coverage on the latest sports news and sports talk. You've been listening to Review and Preview here on mywcwp.org. Good night, everyone.